G'day everyone, and for those of you who have come in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. He washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The ghost who walks the Enemies beware The phantom's always there But you won't find the phantom He finds you We are the x The Phantom Podcast from Chronicle Chamber Our website is chroniclechamber.com and you can contact us via email at chroniclechamber at gmail.com You can subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes or a plethora of Android apps This is episode 179 which is the best of 2020 My name is Steve and today I'm joined by many, many people Well, three others G'day Germ, how are you going? Yeah, good mate, I'm very good mate It's um... I'm looking forward to tonight. Uh, I think tonight will be a bit of fun. Um, so, yeah, no, very looking forward to it. Yeah, it's always a good episode, the best of us, but they're also, also a long episode. So those of you who are out on the farm or in the mines, out on the tractor, just sit back, relax, and listen to the docile tones of Dan, who's joined us as well. G'day, Dan. Not sure the dulcet tones is accurate, but um, <laughs> no, very excited to be here. Like German yourself, Steve, I really enjoy these best of um, episodes where we get to look back over um, everything that happened over the last 12 months in a very positive way tonight, um, rather than what's necessarily been the case worldwide. But uh, yeah, love it. Really excited by the fact that it's not just the three of us, but you're about to throw to another uh, fan and uh, CC contributor as well. That's right. So if you're watching on YouTube, you probably all know who know this, you already know who this is. But let's welcome Mikhail. How are you going there, Mikhail? Good day. I'm fine. I'm uh, honored by being invited again to do one of these shows. It's awesome. Thank uh, you. We love having you. And we love the news that came out this past week and, and your unboxing video uh, with your card game. The excitement building over there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so did I. Uh, finally, I, I hope to have it out before the end of the year, but now it will be a best of 2021 instead. <laughs> uh, absolutely. We're saying no this, here, Mikkel, that you, uh, you and your son have played a game with the uh, with the cards as soon as they arrived. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically within uh, 30 minutes from it arriving. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Amazing. And you it's so weird to see it there in physical <laughs> form, what was just a thing in your head years ago. Well, we're certainly excited for it too, mate. We can't wait to have it arrive in the mailbox. Uh, what? Can't wait to have it arrive in my mailbox. Yeah, a short time longer. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not too much longer. Okay, so we have a bumper episode today, so let's get straight into it. Alrighty-o, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a tale of the tape. So we're going to go through basically everything that's from a comic perspective that's been published from around the world, uh, and then we're going to get stuck into what is our best of individually. So I'm going to start off with the KFS stories. So these are the newspaper stories that for the dailies and the Sundays. Now, interestingly, there was actually five daily stories that 
have been in newspapers uh, for 2020. So that seems like a lot, but what it is is basically uh, some have started, some some have started towards the end of the year, and some have uh, ended, you know, like one or two weeks into uh, 2020. So that's the reason why there's five. And from a Sunday's perspective, from a Sunday stories perspective, there's only been two stories. So um, yeah, so. Been a lot of uh, new stories to kind of catch up, and I'll hand over to you, Dan. Yeah, five is a lot, and I guess that means three, even but even three complete stories in a single year. Um, yeah, we'd, one for the fandom historians. If you want to go back and uh, look at your trivia, was there any other year where as many as five stories uh, took part in the calendar year? It'd be an interesting one. Um, so, Fru, obviously, uh, um, one of the other one of one of the two major comic producers in Australia. So, let's just have a look at what they've done in Australia. They produced twenty six regular issues this year, which is down a little bit, and um, I think it's been twenty eight in the past. And um, so, we went from issues eighteen fifty seven to eighteen eighty two. So, um, a couple of less issues now um, of those. Um, 26 issues seven of them included stories that had been created or commissioned by through mostly with australian creative teams but also outsourcing to brazil and and even nigeria and scandinavia um uh, a lot of those were oh, sorry of the of the 26 issues 26 contain uh, sorry 16 contained stories that were published for the first time by through no matter how old they were um and that includes gaslight and heart of darkness uh, but they only count as one issue each even though we saw um the last chapter of heart of darkness and that's probably something we need to mention at some point is that heart of darkness is concluded um and previously published by through is 29 stories so probably two-thirds to one-third um, previously published two new stories from through this year. 60 stories all up, which is down from 69 last year, reflecting a couple of issues fewer, also the trade paperback and the, the graphic novel fewer. Um, they did, um, sorry, have more previously published stories than 2019. So, yeah, so a few more reprints than, than in the past. Um, if you want to include the Giant Size and um, Phantom's World, well, it's really only giant size, but they also included a few stories previously unpublished, um, Scorpius, Death Dive, Phantom Crusader. Um, so that takes us to 10 in total. Um, fewer Phantom stories than we've seen in the past. Kid Phantom, there were only the two issues, one genuine standalone issue, which was number nine. Um, Kid Special number one came as a bonus with the 2020 annual. Um, Phantom's World, there we saw the last two issues of the Phantom's World series, issues 11 and 12. Giant Size has continued with four issues through the year. Only uh, one trade paperback at this stage, which was the Triads, um, which was actually published and, and uh, made available for sale. Um, we're not counting the Princess Sin Saga trade paperback because it's not generally available. We, knew, we do know that a few people overseas in particular have got their copies, but um, we'll be counting that in the 2021 releases when they come around. So overall, um, one of the big takeaways from Fru is that they have reduced their output slightly. And in fact, um, in the five years of the Fru crew, um, this is one of the lowest outputs. It's, it's the, isn't it their five-year birthday coming up soon? Yeah, but I've only got stats for the last four years. So for the last four years, well, of the last four then, um, and I reckon we can presume in 2016 as well, but of the last four, um, this is the fewest number of um, books or issues that have been produced with 34 total books, down from 38 last year. The high point was 42 in 2018. They did have 36 in 2017. So I guess we're going back to those sorts of levels. Hmm. 
Very interesting. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Phantom Man, which is the Swedish um, uh, publication. I'm not sure why I'm doing it and Mikkel isn't doing it, but let's go from there. <laughs> so there's been 19 regular issues and two trade paperbacks, which is the Christmas um, the Christmas album and then also the... Oh, what would you call it? Like the, the other special soft cover album, which um, was the legend one, which had the front cover by Luca Aberta. So, from the stories perspective, uh, there's eight new Team Phantom Men stories in 2020, and two new Fruit stories. So that's a total of ten new uh, stories that Phantom Men readers have received in 2020. And that was down from 15 in 2019. So there's a significant drop in there. We've discussed this in past podcasts and also past articles on our website. So there's been eight new newspaper stories in 2020, which is down from 11 in 2019. So, um, Mikkel, you might be able to correct me if I'm a little bit wrong in this, but from what I understand, in the 90s, uh, especially in the early 2000s, they didn't publish a lot of the newspaper stories. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, I mean, the editor-in-chief back then didn't think they were measuring up to the Team Phantom stories, so he just skipped them. He was probably right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what that means is you've got a marvellous treasure trove of things to uh, see for the first time. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and, and that's the reason why in the last two years they've had 19 new newspaper stories where, where free readers have had maybe five or six is because you are catching up a lot in the, in the 90s. Um, from, a, from a repeat story per point of view which is probably the key that we need to uh, address is that in 2020 there has been 21 repeat stories now this includes newspaper stories but also old team fan men stories and in 2019 there was actually zero repeat stories um Mikkel, do you want to quickly um just tell us you're the you're our phantom men representative here on this podcast, um, in two minutes or less, what were your thoughts about um, having so many repeat stories? Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this several times during the reviews uh, that, like, the two, 2019 was a great year with no reprints and lots of new stories. And this year, especially, it started terrible with like really old reprints that wasn't that good. And uh, I mean both Team Phantom and the other stories they, they reprinted was not high quality. And they also chose to do a lot of the Sunday stories in black and white, which we are not used to here in Sweden. So that was also a bummer. So 2020 was quite a bad year for Phantom. But I, I think the last few issues was better than the average. Cool. All right, Stephen, over to you, buddy. Well, hopefully onwards and upwards for uh, 2021 with uh, the Team Phantom and stories. So next on, we go over to the USA with Hermes Press. They have published uh, two of their Sunday books and three of their daily books. They've also published three of their Avon novel reprints, which I think takes up the, to the end of the, all the Avons, Don't even though I'm still missing number 10. Um, <laughs> But I got all, got all the rest of it, which is good. Okay, so this was a, a big year for Hermes, whereas the other 
um, companies seem to be going down a bit or not have published as much. Hermes has actually published a little bit more. So in 2018, they published four books. 2019, they went up to seven. And 2020, they beat that by one and made it to eight. And, awesome. and staying on the USA, Dan? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what Hermes Press do this year now that the Avons have run out. Um, and, I expect uh, that number to drop. You'd expect that. <laughs> Unless the art of the film comes out, and that counts for probably five books on itself, the way that uh, the history it's got. Um, <laughs> like the, um, you know, like the, the great mystery, like the Moby Dick of the family. Yeah. <laughs> Bigfoot of the Hermes Press. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bigfoot, that's a good one. Yeah. So uh, as Steve said, we stay in America for the uh, the next uh, publisher, and that's Comics Review. Now, obviously, they're not a dedicated phantom um, book, but uh, reprint um, newspaper strips from all, all sorts of stories. Um, but they have um, got, obviously, phantom stories in them. There's been six issues this year, and two of them actually featured the Phantom on the front cover, um, which is, which is since we're counting, down from one where they had three Phantoms on the front covers of Comics Review last year. Hmm. Hmm. Has anyone ever, have any of you guys ever brought any of the comics reviews or seen them? No. Well, I've seen them. I've never held one and don't own any. <laughs> Mikkel? Same here. Don't own any. But I, I liked one of the covers this year, but hmm. I haven't bought it. No worries. Yeah, I'm not, I get them from my comic book shop and I really enjoy them. Do they? Do you order them in? Or uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just asked him to get them in, and um, he orders them in. And um, you know, I get every one of them, but I, you know, also get the ones with the covers on as well. I think the one you would have liked would have been the um, the Wendell Cavalcanti one, where it's the Hatner Witch, where he's jumping from the castle uh, into the moat, and he's and it's, it's a really good. Um, actually, I might have to add that to my favourite. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at that now. Yeah. So, all right. So we'll go to, ooh, excuse me. Uh, we'll go to Regal, which is the Indian publisher. Now, in 2019, they were publishing the Malayahem uh, language comics, and they produced five of those in 2019, and they've produced zero of them in 2020. So it'll be interesting to see whether they continue producing those Mm-hmm. Um, in 2021, or maybe they're not going to do those and they're going to stick with the uh, English ones, which have been very popular. Um, and in 2020, there were six issues of those, um, which basically they produced them every second month and there was two at each turn. And they've been very popular. Through have been selling them, they've been selling out. And um, over in India, people can't get enough of them as well. So that's great. Mm. Excellent. Sorry, I was just writing my things for another part of the podcast. Um, now we head over to Europe, and I'm sure someone will correct me on my pronunciation of this publisher, but I'm going to say Cockars. <laughs> it sounds like you might have cocked that up. <laughs> I, I, I really could have. But, um, oh, well. <laughs> That's an Australian reading of that particular bunch of... Um, Consonants and vowels, isn't it? <laughs> cookers. There's a, there's a biscuit down here called. Do you get cookers? They're made in Victoria. They're great, Bicky. Anyway, so we go with cookers or cockers uh, from Hungary. Speaking of which, I'm a little bit um, pickish myself. Yeah, you're talking about biscuits. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so they had six issues with the Phantom, and two of them had had him on the cover, um, which is actually up from last year, where they only had one issue. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that one. Um, so we're going to go over to South America, which is in Brazil, which is the Mifos publisher. Um, so in 2020, they have two series. They have the regular, regular series, which they produced full in 2020, uh, which, which had all of the uh, old Phantom Men covers and the Phantom Men stories. And they also had two, I think they call it like a chronicle series, which are basically reprints from the newspaper stories, so old Lee, old Lee Fork stories that have uh, repackaged and stuff like that as well. I've also released a trade paperback, which was one of the ones that came with the Good Mark ring. So in 2019, they released the Good Mark, uh, the Skull Ring and the Coin. Um, no, sorry, the Coin was in 2020 as well. So 2019, they had one extra. In 2020, they had two extras or supplements some people will call them um and as in 2019 and 2020 they've released seven issues of uh comics uh for both years hmm. so i think um and, and i'll go through now and do a bit of a summary and wrap up of the, of the of the whole picture but what i've really enjoyed as we've gone through that is the way we've bounced all over the world like america yeah. north america south america australia scandinavia india um I squeezed in Ameri the American continent because we did have a, a an American artist, a Nigerian, I think, working on uh, Fru covers for the first time as a colorist. So um, Phantom really is global. It is it is a little bit down. We've just gone through six different countries, and there were eight in 2019. Uh, unfortunately, Norway and uh, Iceland, uh, sorry, Ireland, would um, did not produce any comics this year. Um, Lightning Strikes hasn't officially said they're not doing any more, but um, it wouldn't seem likely that they're going to launch again in 2021. We wait and see on that. We do know that Fantomet in Norway has finished for the foreseeable future, though. So um, so six countries, which is still, um, still pretty handy, given where we might have been five or six years ago and what we know is coming. Um, and I know Germany are going to put an article out in the near future about a publisher in Germany, for instance. Um, and there is another country as well. Remind me which one that is. You have to check our website. I have to check the website. All right, chroniclechamber.com. Um, nice little teaser there. Well done. So six countries um, looking to go back to eight, hopefully, in 2021. Um, overall, 77 uh, comics were produced, which is about the same as last year with 76. Um, there were four trade paperbacks produced around the world, down from six the previous year, which is, um, uh, I guess, partly through, and the other one that was down was, was Mythos, was it? Uh, Phantom N did three last year because they did right. the uh, Phantom N kids as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, four hardcover collections of the Daily Sundays, which is, of course, is Hermes, and um, that's exactly the same as last year. So they're on, a, on their schedule yet. They're three prose novels, which were, again, from Hermes. Um, same schedule as last year with three, but as we said, likely zero in 2020. No graphic novels. Um, Fru did, of course, I mentioned that, The Sword of the Caliph in 2019 was their graphic novel. And um, overall, around the world, 22 brand new stories that are not reprints or seen before in any other language. Did you include the, the, all of the newspaper strips in that number, Jim? Um, I think I did, which is the reason why it's, it's not as close or it's, 
as close as last year because yeah. Phantom, so Men. Phantom Men obviously last year were producing bulk new stories and didn't get all this year but that little quirk as we said at the start with uh, King Features news strip um, brings it up to about the same so 2020 brand new stories this year as opposed to 23 last year um, yeah so we'll see where that goes um, so overall um, you know let's go around the grounds what are you what are your thoughts about uh, hearing all of those numbers pretty similar maybe a little bit down in some places um, to to 2019. Um, thoughts on that and let's throw to you Steve you go first um, considering the year that everyone's had to to deal with um, publishers and readers and buyers and all that sort of stuff um, I think the numbers are good they've, they've held uh, pretty firm yes they've gone down in 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 a lot of areas but only by one or two so mm. um, on the whole I think um, in regards to publications um, not too bad mm. Mikhail yeah, I mean, the the worst number is the fewer countries, but yeah, it's good that it's coming up again. Uh, mm. The best thing is that it's almost as many stories. Yeah. 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 yeah the stories, the thing that really surprised me, um, I'm still, I'm doubting my counting, even though I've, I know I've counted it, uh, <laughs> because it's like, it, 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 can't, it can't be right. But um, yeah, the quirk with the extra newspaper stories kind of, makes the numbers better than what they probably are. Um, and and Fru's produced a few more. and yeah. yeah. And, you know, you've got, yeah. So <laughs> what one thing that is going to interest me looking forward to two, uh, 2021, and I don't want to get too stuck on this because I want to move on to our, our favourites, is a lot of the stories takes can take up to six months to eight months you know, to kind of for the story to be created and published and stuff like that. So I wonder how much of the economic downturn globally that's affected us in 2020, if that's going to affect us in 2021. Mm. So that's, you know, might be worth maybe keeping an eye on or, or remembering if the number of new stories is kind of lowish again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, have you heard like a decline in sales in Australia? Because in Sweden, it's higher than they thought. Yeah. I mean, or forecasted. Mm. Yeah, no, oh, that was actually in my, um, uh, in my bit towards the end, uh, the overall reflections. Um, but no, that, that's amazing news that the Phantom Men numbers have gone up. I, look, I've asked through countless times uh, <laughs> for numbers or for ideas, and I've asked them if the numbers have been lower or not. Um, they haven't yeah, yeah, they haven't told me anything on record or even off record. Um, so, look, I, I, I don't know. I, I've heard that, you know, like that Netflix numbers have gone up, magazines and newspapers and, and stuff like that has generally gone up as well. Mm. So in looking at that and lumping through with the other mass medias, I kind of hope that the numbers have also gone up, but um, I could be grasping at straws. Mm. Yeah, Steve, exactly. Uh, crossing fingers. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, um, with uh, those 77 comics, for tra- you know, there's over 85-something books to purchase if you're a fan around the world, and that's yeah, – I'm not getting all of those. Uh, so, um, 88. 88. So, 
Oh, that's right. I said that number before earlier today. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't bought all 88 of those books and there'd be very few people who um, have got all of them. Jermaine, you must be going close, I suppose, but uh, you'd be one of the few, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't have all of the Brazil ones yet. Yeah. Um, but, and all the prose novels. So, yeah, mm. so, but that, that's more than one a week. Mm. So, oh, me too. Yeah, nearly, nearly two a week, which... You know, it's pretty amazing mm. um, that, you know, if you're a Phantom fan, realistically, you could have two comics a week, two new comics a week. Mm. Anyway, so that's um, that's looking back at, uh, at 2020, I guess, all the things that were. Now we're going to go through and talk about our favourites um, of each of those. Now, we're going to start by talking about our favourite covers um, and we did have a bit of a chat today as to whether we should just go, right, well, what's your favourite covers of the whole bunch? But uh, I guess with um, with a bunch of Australians on one end of the podcast um, who who love their fruits and uh, um, at least half of us on the podcast certainly love our Phantomans as well um, and, and get every issue of those. We're going to keep those separate. Those are big audiences, so we're going to keep those separate. Um, and we're going to look at each of those uh, fruit uh, and Phantom and covers um, individually, but we're going to start with our best non-fru or phantom and cover um, from around the world. Now, this um, is a bit of a tricky one because you don't necessarily see these all the time, so you may have to go and have a bit of a look. What we're going to do as we go through this section is I'm going to share my screen um, and uh, try and uh, have a look at all of these comics as we go. So if you, if you haven't seen these books um, because you're in Australia or Scandinavia or whatever it might be and you don't receive them and they're not the sort of thing that come across your, your Facebook scro um, scroll as you go, um, you can head across to our YouTube channel, um, timestamp wherever we are right now and have a look and you can catch up and look at the, the books we're actually talking about. Um, so, uh, share screen, let's see you do it. Um, so, <laughs> I can't talk and do a second thing at the same time. It turns out, here we go. All right. So, um, in terms of my favourite uh, non-fru or um, Phantomen covers, I have chosen Ofar Tasma number eight, uh, which is this one here. Um, Henry Solstrom, I assume, really love that image of the uh, the Phantom, the angle you're looking up at him, he's pointing down at the, at the viewer or the camera, um, and he's got uh, flame skulls in the background, which is, is always cool. And uh, can, I get, can I move this over so I can... Yes, I can. Uh, and my second one is going to be the comics review book, the Christmas issue, because I do love a good Christmas cover. Um, and the Jeremy McPherson uh, created uh, piece there. So um, those are my my favourite uh, two non-fruit or phantomen books. Um, uh, I can't. I've got I've got the run sheet up in front of me anymore, guys. So who's uh, who's next? All right, that's me. So um, the one, my next one is the Regal Comics number four, which is the Luca Alberta um, uh, cover from Regal Comics. And then the Ophantasma number six as well. All right. So, you on the hop and I didn't, uh, didn't have the Phantasma ready to go, but would you say Phantom in number six? Phantasma uh, number six. Phantasma number six. So Phantasma it was on... The Mythos. From yep. Mythos. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll scramble and find those while you <laughs> keep going. Um, Stephen. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to go back to my screen so I can remember. Oh, no, it was that comics review one that um, you just showed me. Not that one. Yep. No, this the, one, um, Wendell Cavalcanti. Yep, where he's yeah, jumping out of the car. That's amazing. Um, only because you mentioned it earlier and I went and had a look at it. Yep, that looks fantastic. Um, I did like that one you put up there with the flaming skulls in the background too. Um, Mythos 8. I've Ooh, gone I back like on that one. What's the Phantom in 24? Is that this year? Uh, no, that's for Phantom Man. Uh, oh. Dan's just got confused with uh, Mythos. And yeah, but is that <laughs> this year's? Because yeah, that's this year's, yeah. All right, I'm going to put that one in. That looks good. Oh, no, I like two to three. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Mikael? Yeah, uh, I mean, I love Henrik Solström. And uh, I. my first thought was to have both six and eight from the Mythos. But... Uh, I settled with number six of the Ufantasma from Mythos, uh, the same as you, Germ. Yep. And then uh, the Regal number four by Luca Arbata, I think. Oh, okay, so the same ones as my. Yeah. I'm sorry I've stuffed up the screen sharing on that one, but it's going to get better from here, I promise you. Yeah, that was a little bit hard because we had we had like three or four different publishers and different different pages yeah, on yeah. Uh, on yeah, Phantom yeah. Wiki. We had a big discussion today about it, so... Sorry about those on uh, Phantom Wiki. I mean, on um, on YouTube. <laughs> all right. Who's next? Uh, no, that was all <laughs> of the oh, it's still me. fruit phantom. No, it's Mikkel. Yeah, okay. should I go the best fruit cover? Yep. Yes. Yep. So uh, since I'm the only non-Australian, I'll start with my best fruit covers. Uh, and there's no uh, order... I like, I mean, all three of them is great. Uh, 1861 by Luca Arbata with the pride flag. I think it's a good mm. one. Which one do you prefer? The two? Uh, I think I prefer the Swedish one, but I think this is also quite striking and big. And I mean, it's recognizable. Yeah. Good. Uh, then mm-hmm. I had the Phantom's World number 12. If that's... Okay, to yep. use that one. Yep, and uh, yeah, I mean that's looks pretty similar to an old Phantom uh, cover, but I mean it's timeless and really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I took the eighteen sixty six. I mean that looks. I would love that as a poster. I think it's. Amazing. It would look really cool. That's the Alex Trapeski's um, montage for Fight Against Sing, and yeah, I agree. As a yep. poster, that would look unreal. Dan, is it all right if you like like double click on them and bring them up as they talk about them for the YouTube viewers? Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Is that better? Just so it's a bit bigger? Is that what you mean? Oh, I can't actually see it. It's not. It's still showing them. Oh, as it's, it's not it's, showing up. Maybe What's if you do it as extra large icons in the preview. Oh, I thought. Oh, hang on. Wait. If I share in a different way. Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> I've been doing. I've been yep. looking at them big. Um. Yeah. Sorry, I, I hope everyone on YouTube appreciates the, <laughs> the trouble we're going to. Here. <laughs> yeah. Is that better? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Yay. Yeah, oh, yeah, so no, that's no. exactly what I've been looking at. <laughs> so sorry, but everyone else So, uh, Stephen, you're, you're next. My turn. All right, so no particular order. Um, however, I do want to put a couple of um, 
uh, honourable mentions in there. Um, usually every year, Jamie Johnson makes my, my top three. Um, sorry, Jamie, you're in my honourable mentions this year. A couple of outstanding covers there with uh, The Demon and uh, The Forgotten Tribe. Um, doing the horse is always um, a tricky one. Um, but um, sorry, this year you've got the honourable mentions. Um to my top three, I've gone 1862, Jason Paulos, uh, which is Inked in Blood mm. Part 1. I really like um, the fandom coming out of the, you know, with the Mr. Walker thing on him. Um, and he kind of like breaking out of that. It's one of my favourite scenes in um, uh, uh, Phantom Noir, um, where he, where he kind of is breaking off away from the um, Mr. Walker outfit into the Phantom uh, costume, so I really like that. Um, another one is 1869, the Daniel Picciotto uh, cover um, mm. for Howard to Account, the Duncan Monroe story, which I remember when we talked about it, it was like a, a, a film poster, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then uh, number three, we got Grange Wallace with the final part from... Um, uh, the Ibis mystery where, you know, we spoke at length about this when we had Grange on the, on the podcast and it's the fandom coming away from the battle, you know, he's scarred and, and fairly battered up. So um, those were my top three covers. Um, who's after me? Dan, what were yours? I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, so I'm going to have to bring them up. <laughs> So a little bit of a peek behind the curtain here as you see, as players at home get to see the run sheet. Uh, so um, I said 1861, which was the rainbow flag cover um, as well. Um, I just, um, I love this. I know it's uh, it's more the pastel version than uh, Solstrom's um, take on it for Funtman, but just the... Just for me, it's almost the um, the fist clenching <laughs> the bat with the um, with the swaz sticker on the front cover and that, um, you know, this... This just screams 2020 to me um, for a whole range of reasons, that cover. Um, so yeah, I'll that fan as well. We're probably on the same page here. Um, Mikel, I'll, I'll bring them up since I'm talking about them. I didn't do it when you were. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mate. Phantom's World number 12. I think that may even be a reprint of an old um, filming. Yes. Image. Um, but I, I'm with you, mate. Um, Mikel, I just love this. Love this image. So dynamic with Hero leaping and the lightning in the background and all the rest of it. And again, that's probably, that's one I'd love as a, as a, a big poster on the wall. Um, and uh, the last one I said was, oh, yeah, this was a bit of a quirky one, I suppose. Giant size number 15. Um, I just love uh, something that's a little bit... Uh, a um, little bit different. Um, I wouldn't want to see this all the time, obviously, for, for every cover you ever see, but um, the Phantom, it's a bit of meta comics, I suppose, the Phantom holding up um, the book with all of the other heroes in it in giant size and giving them a big salute. Um, so I just really enjoyed the concept behind that one. And, and Glenn Lumsden um, executes as well as anybody in the business at the moment. So I uh, really mm -hmm. enjoyed that one. And I'll give an, an honourable mention to, uh, to Grange in particular, um, for his series of four, um, I feel like he probably would have made my top three with any one of those if there wasn't four of them, if you know what I mean. It's hard to pick one in particular. So I think um, he, if I want to talk about cover artist of the year, for me, it's Grange Wallace, but he hasn't made in my top three, which is a bit ironic. Yeah, that's a very good point, um, 
Dan. Very good point. Um, mine would be the Massimo Annual, which is 1858. Um, I really like his work. I like his his fine minds and um, I didn't really like that annual, um, but I like the cover. Um, you know, I like the animals. Uh, interestingly, there's the tiger and the lion, which... Um, as we've been told by Tony and Paul now that they don't exist in the same um, uh, same place, but um, yeah, no, that's one of that's one of the top three covers. The other one is 1887, uh, which is the Daniel um, Picciardi um, cover, which is the one with yeah, which is uh, this one here, which has got the Adventures of Lucy Carey and the Outlaws. Um, I, to be honest. This comic, I love everything about this comic. It's, spoiler, it's one of my top uh, issues of the year. So, um, yeah, I just love that cover. I love the action. I love the skull throne. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just very dynamic. I also love the story behind this as well. Uh, if you follow Daniel on um, social media as well, you will find out that as he was doing this, he uh, experienced some hardships personally as well. So it... Um, I guess for me, it kind of adds a little bit more to the cover as well. And then my other one, which is one that uh, three of you have also mentioned, is the Phantom's World special, um, number 12. I just... Two of you would have mentioned. I didn't mention it. I said three. Oh, two. Yeah. Three of us total. Two of you, two of my other colleagues, yes. Um, this was an old Phantom in. Uh, cover which I know you've mentioned, but I just love this cover. Um, uh, it just, yeah, it's very dynamic. It's, you know, I like it. Um, so yeah, so uh, any any comments anyone wants to talk about anything on there, and then we'll go on to having a look at the fruit um, as voted by the uh, fruit pub uh, readers. Oh, just a, it, there's probably, I know I said Grange with four covers, but um, they really have been shared around this year. Yeah, so exactly. some of you might have done a number of covers in past years, like a Jeremy McPherson or a Shane Foley. Um, I've only got the one. Jamie Johnson certainly had more prolific years. Um, yeah. Esmo's only got the one. Luca Roberta's only got the two. Um, Antonio Lemos, even Glenn Ford has only done one cover each. So just the spread, yeah. I think we're seeing a greater variety of, um, of uh, artists. <laughs> I think it's good. Because all of those artists have different styles. Um, you know, like you've got Jamie Johnson's, which is more, uh, even Paulos as well. They, they're different artists, but they've kind of got the dark, you know, the, the, the darker, edgier type of style. And then you've got the Kid Phantom, obviously. And you've got the Giant Size, which is totally different. And then you've got the warm pastels of, of uh, Alberta. Um, and then, like, you've got those two... Um, uh, ones from Ivan Rodriguez, who yeah, did the yeah. uh, Coming Storm. They're very modern in a sense. Um, so I like the different the different styles, and yeah. I think it I think it um, it's probably one of the one of the things that Fru do better than Phantom in, in the sense that they have a, a wider range of cover artists, where Phantom in generally only have maybe two. Yeah, and, and it's something that's really, we, and we've been seeing it every year for the, ever since uh, the free crew came in, that mm -hmm. the, the covers just keep on improving, and um, and this year has been been no different. Mm. Yeah, 
Um, now, moving on to the survey results. Um, we've got a top 10 here. Um, so thank you to everyone who put in there, uh, who uh, did the survey and best of luck uh, getting a, a prize at the end. So equal 10th uh, was 1873 and 1874, which was Grange Wallace, part of the Ibis Mystery um, uh, stories. Um, equal 7th, we have um, 1858, the Massimo Gamberi and Luca Giorgi. Uh, 1876, the another Grange Wallace, and giant size number 12, the Glen Munston uh, cover. In sixth position, we have 1861, the Luca Alberta. Uh, number five is 1877, the Daniel Picciotto. Uh, number four, we have 1866, Alex. Uh, I, I, Alex's cover. Alex Sorry. Sorry? Alex Tripp. <laughs> Alex Tripp. Um, then we have uh, in the third position, one of my honourable mentions. Yep, it's Jamie, 1857, with Jamie Johnson's cover. Um, and number two is 1871, which is another Daniel, uh, not Daniel, sorry, Jamie Johnson cover. And taking out the top spot is... Um, is issue i'm just seeing who picked this oh i did i picked one i picked this as one of my <laughs> top three um 1869 daniel picciotto so congratulations daniel um i'm not i don't have a, the the screen up do you have the the winner up there do you dan yep there it is the how to account um story um it was a fantastic color uh it would be good if we had that the, the whole wrap around there i'm, I'm mm. Uh, thanks. Uh, we'll do with the with just the front cover. Okay, so just get rid of that so I can see what's happening next. Um, now we move on to the best Phantom and cover, and Mikhail will lead us on this one. Oh yeah, as you say, there's not that many different artists, uh, but uh, I picked two Henrik Salström covers and. Uh, one uh, Luca Arbata, so uh, first off is number one, first issue. I like the Mr. Walker pose and yeah. colors. I think that's, that's cool. a great one. I love, yeah. I love how there's the, the actual, it's very McCoy-ish where the, the stripes on the, on the trench coat are like, you know, yeah. like perfect. Like uh, how Wilson McCoy did it. And he's got yeah, the suit on underneath. Yeah. 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 And that's actually my favorite. Then comes the second favorite, number 24, uh, the yellow one. Yeah. I, I, I think the colors are amazing. And mm. just a little bad that the Phantom is so in the background. So, I mean, otherwise it might have been number one, but it's like I wouldn't want that as a poster or a, a T-shirt just because... You barely see that it's the Phantom, but it's really, really nicely done. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then it's 2526, another Salstrom masterwork. Yeah, that one's nice. Um, that one's actually my favorite, 2526. I just love the silhouette of the Phantom. Um, you know, it's simple. Uh, you know, and, and then when you've got the, 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 the smoky mountain in the other side 
Uh, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just beautiful. Um, my other one is number five, um, which is an old uh, a copy of or a redo, redo or a tribute, I guess you could call it, of an old of oh, Goss. Sorry, a swipe is the terminology I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it's called a tribute because it's uh, on purpose tributing to okay. the one where uh, the swipes where it's kind of done because they're lazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm still learning the terminology, so no offence to the artist at all. I'm, uh, yeah. And then the other one is number six and seven. Um, I, it's kind of like the, um, uh, the jumping phantom. I just... Um, you know, it's a nice action scene. I love the, like, the, um, I think they call it a worm view, like, looking upwards and, like, where you've got, like, the um, the buildings kind of pointing up in the, you know, as they're pointing up to the triangle, which kind of draws your attention to the phantom as well. Um, I like the logo. I like covers where there's something over the logo. So in this one, you have the rope and you have the hand over the logo because it, kind of gives it a, a 3D element um, and kind of adds a little bit of depth. So I like how uh, the whoever's decided to do that, I like how they've done that as well. Um, and, yeah, so, um, yeah, they're probably my three. Mm-hmm. Steve? Okay, yep, just bring up those covers there, Dan, and I'll have a bit of a look. Um, are those all from this year, are they? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought a couple of them I saw last year. Maybe it's just in my mind. Um, is that that? Uh, oh, no. The Phantom and 13. Is that the one where they're playing music in the background? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So we'll go with that one because I like anyone who's playing music. Um, we'll go with that yellow one because I liked it before, the one that Mikhail said. Mm-hmm. And. Or. Between Phantom and one and Phantom and two, three, I really like those ones as well. Mm, yeah, just by yeah. those thumbnails. There. Oh, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. yeah, that does look good. So that's Phantom and two, three, um, with a, a striding Phantom and a, and a looming devil. Um, I guess for for my top three, they've actually mostly been mentioned. Um, I really love this Phantom and twenty five, twenty six as well. Um, for the reasons you said, Jim, but just I'd add that uh, it's a really, it's almost a, a photorealistic, like a Chris Wilde type um, yeah. phantom face. And um, I, I really enjoy uh, enjoy the, that sort of cover art. Um, so that's right up there for me. The Rolf Goes Tribute, um, Phantom and Five was one of mine as well. Um, you've just about swayed me with Phantom and One, um, Mikel, because that, that is a ripper image. But um, I'll settle on Phantom and Four, which um, I think is a Solstrom again. Um, and again, a lot of Solstrom's work is such um, uh, colour-driven. And this one's a, a blue cover. We talk about the yellow cover and the red cover and that sort of thing. This one's a blue cover. And it's got the Phantom uh, swimming down to save a, um, a stranded diver. This would be, I reckon this would be a fantastic cover for Death Dive um, if that was published as a, as a story by Fru. So just a, there's a little bit of free advice for you, Dudley. Um, and I'm sure that it <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, it probably uh, matches a lot of that, I think. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy that. And, and Phantom's got a, a fine history of uh, holding his breath for a long time while he swim, swims underwater. Lots of stories with that. So, um, so that one spoke to me as well. 
Yeah, yeah but I mean, I think that cover probably fits that story more because in the story that never happens. Oh, is that right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was an old, um, an old story reprinted. I think is that right? Okay. Yeah, and it's also one of the uh, tribute covers, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I think from memory. This, that's a good point. Let's just go over the tribute covers. It's four, five, and eight. Is that correct? Is there any others? Yeah, the twenty-one is a tribute cover as well. Well, that's one that we haven't discussed. That was done by Rafael Ruiz, I believe. Oh, twenty-one. Yeah, is it? I thought that it was. Uh... That one's done by Luca Roberta. Yeah. And then what about the other one, where he's diving to the um, number eight? Just click on the link instead of the actual image. It'll say down here. Rafael Ruiz, yeah. 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 Um, so, Mikel, what did you think of the tribute covers? Did you like them or...? I, I, actually, I liked them. I think it was a pretty fun, fun way to do it. Mm. What about you guys, uh, Stephen and Dan? And well, certainly now that I realised... Now that I realise that Fundament 5 was part of a series of tribute covers and for the 70th anniversary and that sort of thing, yeah, that makes a, a lot more sense. And, um, yeah, no, I, I like them. It's, um, I guess you've got to have an iconic cover to do a tribute to. So it would be interesting, for instance, for Fru, if they, for their next anniversary year, whenever that might be, um, decided that they wanted to do something similar. It might be, it's an interesting um, exercise to think, well, what might be some really iconic covers um, that someone could do a tribute of. So, um, yeah, no, I, I don't mind it as a concept. It's interesting that they didn't do it for more often, I suppose, if, if they're celebrating the year. Would yeah. you do like a, a, a classic cover once a month, like a tribute cover once a month for the next anniversary year? Or yeah. just keep it to, to these three random ones here? Or they're probably not random, but or let's say um, whatever month through started, let's say it's February, and they put out two or you know, two for that month. That could be the tribute covers then, or something like that. I yeah, I like the idea, um, especially if it's expressed uh, that this is a tribute cover. Because, yes. like what you were talking about before, Dan is uh, seems to be a bit of a, a favourite hobby among some people, uh, calling out swipes and stuff like that. So you would have to, it would have to be hey, this is a tribute cover to this one. But then you don't have your, um, your drongos uh, jumping up all and down. <laughs> so that's why there'd have to be a reason for it. Otherwise, you don't just want it willy-nilly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, exactly. I do like the Phantom and Fire, the, the, the uh, Ralph Goss um, tribute. It's an iconic image that even yeah. I can recognise. So uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the Ralph Goss original one was used as one of the... Um, what would you call the it? Calendar. The, the, the calendar, calendar for Mallon or... Yeah. So that's probably where a lot of people have um, recognised it from. Yeah. Dan, could you bring it up again? I just oh, wanted sorry. to just say a word about the, the issue 20. Yeah. Uh, the cover of that is... Uh, I mean, that was when we when they knew about Rolf Goes passing away because this is... They actually took the same cover that has already been used earlier but removed like... The on top things, uh, 
the show. Yeah, to memory. So the memory of I think that the issue that was originally drawn for the issue twenty is the number one twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great cover. Uh, oh, I'd um, certainly have that as a poster for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of good posters ideas for the new Phantom Man um, editor. Rolf Ghost yeah. was probably was a massive loss in 2020, wasn't he? I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we, we probably can't talk about the best of 2020 without uh, acknowledging Rolf Ghost, one of the best and most prolific part cover artists of all time. And um, yeah, Nine, 900 covers. Yep, wow. and um, not many fa- not not many misses amongst them. No, yeah. like we were, I know we were celebrating um, Antonio Lemos when he was just under 200. Mm. Um, mm. And then you look at someone like uh, uh, Rolf, who's um, 900. <laughs> um, that's a lot. That's a lot. He's been around for a long time. Oh, he was around for a long time uh, yeah. at uh, Egmont as well. Mm. Yeah. So before that. Yeah. All right. Caesar Spadera, which is uh, Phantom Man number 21. That's another loss for uh, 2020 as well. Yeah. So that was an old um, Caesar Spadera image. Oh, the original was, yep. Yeah. So there's another loss as well. Yeah. All righty. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go and discuss the best writers for. Um, uh, for 2020. Now, this is all of our stories from all around the world. So it's newspaper, Team Phantom Man, through stories. Um, so I want to go first, and mine is going to be Clace Ramufi for the 22nd Phantom Saga, and then Shane Foley for the Scorpius. Now, Clace Ramufi for me is the best for this year for that saga because there's so many elements and story plots and story twists that he's crammed into these stories and the way he's just being able to join them all together and intertwine them, it's it's breathtaking. Um, and then Shane Foley for exactly the same reason with Scorpius is where he's got these characters. He's done a Marvel where he's got, various characters as a team up and then he's got all these old leaf fork stories intertwined with them it's just um uh it's amazing and so for me they're my f- uh, two favorite artists um steven i mean writers for 2020 well you, you nearly swayed me to, to change one and, and go folded but i'm going to stick with the two that i've uh written down here um oh excuse me yeah. <coughs> i did say uh, a bit of a was- fever this morning <laughs> Hang on, you don't, you don't want to hear this. Hey, I'll, I'll try and beat myself. <laughs> uh, Dan, do you want to go while we're waiting <laughs> on Steve? <laughs> well, Steve's, well, Steve's um, thankfully muting. Um, the rest there we of go. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, do you want to go, Steve? <laughs> yeah. Um, so in no order in particular, but Duncan Munro um, for the continuation of his Prince Rex uh, stories. Um I think they're they're great um, and really really enjoyable. I, I like just pretty much everything that, that was in that the the humor, the action, um, all the phantom elements that, that that go into it. And I'm gonna go all all Australian here and say Andrew Constant um, yeah. as my 
as my next best. Oh, I don't know what's the next best. Oh, there's no order here, but Duncan and Andrew for my for my two best riders for uh, for 2020. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll follow you by um, doubling down on Andrew Constant. I think that he he's made my uh, one of my top two riders for this year. For me, uh, Andrew. Uh, is so impressive in the variety of stories that he's that he's oh. writes, and I think he would have had four or five—I don't know the exact number—stories um, published by Fru this year, um, which include the two kid phantoms, but which includes the crossover with the Raven, which sort of um, speaks a bit to what you were saying before, Germ, about you know what Shane does well. Andrew's only including the one um, older character there, but I just love his writing style, and that one I would have mentioned at the time in the review, the brevity of his writing and the. Um, the dialogue is just to the point. Um, really enjoyed that. And uh, then also the way he crosses over into Phantom Crusader, which I don't necessarily like as a story, but I respect the writing of it. Um, so, yeah, Andrew Constant as one of my writers for his, di- for his diversity um, as much as anything. Um, and- Before you go into your next one there, Dan, do I, can I just jump in a bit more? Yeah. Um, not only is he doing all this Phantom stuff, but... Um, I think it comes out this this month. Um, he's got a, a Nightwing story coming out. I think there's two or three issues of that. So he's not only doing free work, but um, some DC work. Um, so I've got that on order at the at my local comic yeah, shop, right. which I'm looking forward to to checking out as well. Well, I'm glad he does because I'm sure just doing free stories probably wouldn't pay the bills entirely. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad he's got a side hustle with Nightwing there as well. Um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't call it a, a side hustle. He probably gets yeah. paid more than that uh, than um, through, unfortunately. Possibly, possibly. Um, my other of uh, best writer would be Tony DePaul, and I think he's a perennial for me. I'm uh, an unashamed fan of his work, and I just love the way that he's continuing to move the um, the continuity of the newspaper stories on. Um, you know, a little bit more happens each day, but then he's also. Um, able to have the the standalone stories like your little detectives, which we saw published in in yeah. through this year. Um, like the, um, I'm not really following it particularly well at the moment. The current daily, but the um, the Mexican wrestler story that suddenly is in there as well. So um, yeah, again, it's it's a variety, but it's also the way it's con- continuing the the saga. Um, Mikel, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I hear you. Uh Yarm with the 22nd Phantom Saga. Sadly, in Sweden, we didn't have any new 22nd Phantom Saga adventure this year. So, and uh, I mean, most of the stories written for Phantomen is by Klaus Remarty, but a big chunk of that was not really to my liking. This uh, The Secret Theater uh, arc was not my, my bag of tea. Uh, but one of the spots goes to Tony DePaul, and uh, I think I'm going to leave the second one empty because I think like Klaus Remarity is good and I think uh, Andrew Constant is good. I read a few of those right before this and I think Pid Anderson, I think all of those three in my mm. mind, 2020 was on the same level. So I, I just say Tony DePaul was on top, the other three mm. get the share. Peter Anderson is probably a, uh, an honourable mention, and, and I'm glad you brought him up in this list because, um, uh, again, the work that he's produced for Fru, um, I've really enjoyed. And Andrew Constant also did the um, sequel to The Triads, which is another um, another string to his bow this year as well. Mm. Very good. All right, so moving on to Best Story Artist. Um, 
So I'm starting off here. Um, now we can choose two each. I'm I'm going to do a Macau here and, and choose one, and everyone else comes after. Really, um, there's been it, it's very hard to 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 pick an artist because there are there have been so many this year, and just about everything I've read they've knocked it out of the park. Um, but my top story artist is going to go to Mike Manley. Um, the work that he's doing in the Daily Strip is just phenomenal. Um, he's got three panels, sometimes uh, less, sometimes a little bit more, um, to tell the story and to keep it um, going every day. Um, and then when you see it all together in a comic, it's just phenomenal. So um, Mike Manley gets my best story artist for 2020. And... Um, for second, you could you could you know throw a blanket over everybody else. It's um the everyone's been doing such a phenomenal job. But I'm going to choose one. I'm going to choose Mike. Mm. And you've got me regretting that I didn't choose Mike now because um you're right the the way that his stories come together in um in a in a comic book um and and read as a whole. Yeah, I, I love his work as well. So I'm glad you brought him up. I've gone for two artists that are probably a little bit similar in a sense that they, they draw in a little bit more of a realistic way rather than a, than a comic book way or a cartoon, certainly the opposite of a cartoony way in a sense. Um, and that would be Jeff Weigel, who's the Sunday artist, um, and Glenn Lumsden for his work, I guess, on Death Dive this, that we saw this year. Um, I really, really like the the... Um, the detail that both of those guys put into their roughnecks in particular um, and the the realism that they both bring to the strip, yeah. um, which is not to say that others don't, but those two do it probably more than others, which um, I'm finding tonight might be um, might be my thing after I've mentioned it about uh, the, the giant size, which was a Glenn Lumberston drawing as well. So, um, yeah, so those would be my two. Hey. Yeah. He's got such a different style compared to his Marvel series that he did. Oh, it, chalk and cheese from what? I guess it's 25 years ago, 30 years ago. So Don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yep. Michelle. No, no worries. So I choose to, I mean, they're quite new to the team Phantomen and they really haven't gotten that much room to do, to show what they can do. But I mean, Every time I see them doing something, I I instantly enjoy it. It's like on the second place is Anthony Spey because I think he has like a modern comic book style and I that I really enjoy. And on first place is I, as I say so many times during uh, the reviews, like Jane, I think it's pronounced Janus Orden. Uh, he like many of his panels could just be. Uh, painted uh, painting like made by brushes and mm. yeah it's I, I really really love seeing his work yeah um i'm also the same well the my two are, uh how do you say J janice or janice i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um the, it sounded better with your accent though miguel <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, sound better with uh, yeah than an Aussie twang. Um, his work, especially on the Twenty Second Phantom um, uh, series, it was just dark. It was gritty. Uh, it was edgy. Um, the way he drew the Phantom, but also the way he drew Heloise, I thought was really good as well. 
Um, you know, Heloise was kind of realistic in the way that he depicted her. Um, and then Diana looked a little bit older, but she still looked like our normal Diana. Um, so just just really enjoyed that. And then Glenn Lumsden as well. I've been a, a long-time fan of Glenn ever since his Marvel series uh, decades ago. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. <laughs> um, just the way he draws it, like, especially like his, his, his big panels, the, the, the shading and the stroke and stuff like that. Like his, his, his artwork, like there's very fine strokes. And then you have a look at someone like um, Ordan's or Janice's and they're bold strokes. Like sometimes it looks like he's, um, you know, it almost looks like sometimes he's spilt a whole bottle of ink over it and then he's, you know, going through it. And there's, the, the amount of ink he uses and darkness, it matches the story, but it also reminds me a bit of uh, Don Newton, just with that real edgy, edginess as well. Um, so they're my two. Now, Mikel, in Australia, we haven't seen Anthony Spay yet. I believe 2021 we will. Um, just so for those who haven't or don't know anything about Anthony Spay, you make mention of him. Uh, he's an American, and we've got a um, we've got some images and stuff on our website, and got a quick interview with him. Um, just tell us, go into a little bit more detail about Anthony Spay, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm not sure I'm qualified. Uh, what do you, like? What's his art style? Is it um, like, like I said, I think it's it feels like yeah, it's very modern. It, it's it might be a bit more comic book art than the re realistic art with like, I think, uh, yeah, I can show you later. I have some image of when the Phantom looks surprised that he did. And it, it's, it's just funny, uh, but in a good way, not, not like yeah. some that makes it like clumsy. It's, I think he has a good uh, balance. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've I've seen his Phantom Men work. Um, I like it. He uses a lot of uh, probably ec extra lines in the Phantom's face than a lot of other artists. Um, so it's sort of like a, a Weigel in that sense where Weigel adds extra lines and stuff in the Phantom's face. Uh, Anthony does that as well. He's American. Um, um, so I believe he's got some free stuff coming out as well. And he's done, what, three Egmont stories now, I believe, as well. Yeah, something like that. It's not many. Yeah, so um, I think that's definitely a name to um, to keep an eye on. Yeah, let's see. Okay, so moving on from artists to uh, overall best story published by Fru. Now, here it says we had to list three, but actually in the survey we got to list five, so I'm going... With five, <laughs> I um, wonder why you listed that many. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't see the three in the in the brackets in the list here on the run sheet. I went with what was in the um. Survey. Yep. Um, and so, and in and in no particular order, um, it's usually whatever comes up first on the survey is the is what I've listed them off here. So first one off, first cub off the rank, or first um prehistoric animal off the rank is dinosaur um i know this has got 
lots of fans, um, especially here in Australia, but I'm sure around the world. Um, I think it's just a fun, silly story. Um, it's a nice thing to just break up all the all the nitty gritty, heavy stuff that that the fandom has to deal with. It's just this, you know, what the hell story is this? And um, I, I like it. I liked it when I read it in the newspapers back in the '90s. Was it? It was in the '90s, wasn't it? I seem to remember. Yes. Doing it. Yes. And um, yeah, I remember reading it in the papers in the nineties. I remember reading it in um, through whatever issue it was when it was published back then. And I read it again in the annual, and I enjoyed it. And uh, I like it. <laughs> um, and which actually goes against what I was trying to do. I wanted to go only for news stories, but um, that one slipped in. Um, another news, another best story was how to account. I've already mentioned this as well. If I'm going to make um, uh, Duncan one of my best writers, well, I better put his story in. So, how to account is there. Uh, the Raven is another one. Heloise comes home, and one I really like as well is the um, the comic book hero story from uh, the Kid Kid Phantom special. Um, so that, that's a, that's a story that I really like. Um, so, as you can see, my my writers, um, both Duncan and Andrew, have made it into my uh, mm. best stories for the year. Dan. Uh, best stories for the year. I'm glad you um, mentioned Comic Book Hero um, because that was if I, if I had if I'd had five I'd, and I've now added them. So <laughs> I noticed that just before we started, <laughs> I saw the cursor just moved down there, and Dan's just. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's um, like, Stephen's just given us permission to do five. <laughs> I had three, but I'm glad you've given me yeah. scope to have Comic Book Hero in there as well. And, um, and I really want to I really want to get Paul Mason in there. I, I, I couldn't get him for the covers. I couldn't get him. Um, for artists because I thought that everyone was getting out of the park. But Kid Fan Special is as much um, Andrew as, as it is Paul. Oh, absolutely. And um, of all of the Phantom stories that um, I've read this year and, more importantly, my 10-year-old and <laughs> 11-year-old son has read this year, that's the one that we sat down and had a chat about after the fact. And, uh, oh, okay, awesome. He really enjoyed that that story and it really it hit him where he lived, um, that one. And uh, so so that's got a, a special moment for me. And, and just seeing the way that it hit that demographic was really cool. So that's why it's in there for me. I'll also give an honourable mention. wasn't in my original top three, but uh, I think I might have voted for it. I'm pretty sure I did in the survey. Uh, the Adventures of Lucy Carey. Um, and uh, that's probably one of my... Um, I probably didn't realise it until I read it, but it would be up there with one of my um, favourite uh, mm. Lee Fork and particularly Cy Barry stories. Um, my actual three that I voted for originally uh, or, or had as my top three here would have been um, held to account by Duncan Munro that's, um, um, and, and Jeff Weigel. Um, I, I'm enjoying visiting that Prince Rex universe that Duncan is keen to explore. Um, the Andrew Constant story with uh, Ivan Rodriguez was the artist for this as well, wasn't he? Not just the cover artist, but the Raven uh, Closing Storm or clo Storm Closest, Closing Storm, I think. Um, Oncoming Storm. Coming Storm, Coming Storm. Um, that story, I've mentioned that when I talked about uh, Andrew as a writer and Death Dive. Um, I've already talked about Glenn Lumsden there, but I guess the joint credit for the writing there as well. And, and as I said when we reviewed, and I've said it already tonight, I'd love to see that as a collected uh, single issue, regular series through. Um, so those would be my favourite stories. Um, and, and interestingly, four of my five are... Um, 
uh, brand new this year and um, all Australian art, uh, well, almost all Australian creative teams. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you chose Lucy Carey. That's one of my top three. I loved that story as a child, um, which is interesting because, and like you said, it's in that era of Cy Barry, which was his best era, you know, from the 60s to probably the early 70s, maybe mid-70s. That was the golden period for me of Cy Barry. Um, uh, I will admit I had a bit of a crush on Lucy Carey um, as a child, uh, which probably uh, was... Uh, probably her and uh, Fifi from the Golden Circle were the two that I had crushes on. So that's one of the reasons why I like those stories. <laughs> uh, but my, probably my favourite story has to be the fight against I just, um, to me, that's, you know, I hope fruit doesn't wait. We don't have to wait another year and a half before uh, they publish the next slot. I see that uh, uh, Phantom Men uh, are doing the next slot at the moment. So um, just really love that whole universe. I love the exploration of it. I love the, the fact that the Phantom is not winning. Um, you know, if you kind of look at the covers that are coming out for 2021, it looks like the Phantom might be losing even more. Um, so I just I just love the whole, that whole element. And um, that's why Clace and Janus are in my top riders and um uh, artists for the year as well. And then the other one has to be Scorpius. I, um, you know, I'm a fan of fan and I don't like so much. I'm not a fan of the other characters, but I love the way that Shane Foley has put them all together. Um, you know, we've all watched the Marvel movies. We all love that integration and the Easter eggs. And and as a, a fan and fan who kind of wishes that uh, Lee Fork maybe sold the Phantom to someone else instead of King Features. And then listening to the listening to Tim Boyle talking about how we almost had our own little uh, team-up Defenders of the Earth-style movie, it's kind of like the it's, – it's like a what-if moment. You know, what, what could have happened if um, Tim Boyle had his way with that movie and um, Shane Foley has helped scratch that itch or <laughs> filled that void – that um that this fanboy has never got with a bunch of movies. So um fanfall has done an amazing job with that. So they're they're my top three. Um Mikel. Yeah. Uh, so I go back to the twenty second Phantom Me Too. The fight against Sing is one of my favorite stories published by through this year. And then it's the Duncan Monroe one, the Hell to Account. And then a classic one, the the Shane, the McCoy story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that it. was the other one. That was one of my five that um I voted for. Um, so I know Dan, you have a bit of a go at me for um, uh, not giving you know um, with just focusing on the on the new stuff and all that. But I actually voted for two classics this year. So two of your two of your top five stories. Yeah, uh, the Adventures of Lucy Carey and the Chain. I just the Chain. It's just got a. It's just a real good feel good story. Um, I actually just recently reread Avon Novel Number One, and it's actually in there as well. The Chain. So, uh, and then this year we've just uh, actually did a little bit of a. We did a little bit of exploration on the actual physical chain. 
um, and looked at what stories it's actually appeared in and stuff like that. And it's not as many as you thought. So um, hopefully all the creators out there will either read the article or listen to this and think that, wow, we might have to put the chain in more stories. It's in a certain um, phantom-themed card game that's coming out, though. I've noticed that as a bonus little thing. It's printed on a cardboard throw. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, there it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> it even fits a small phantom, but it, it looks uh, looks like a baby. That's that's <laughs> my Galoob, uh, <laughs> the phantom character from the uh, 1985 uh, Defenders of the Earth toy series. Um, it sitting is. on Mikel's card uh, card game throne. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that for sure. Just for the record, <laughs> we did not script that at all. So no, we didn't actually. Mikel <laughs> and Steve for um, tying that all in together. That was brilliant. I'm sure people yeah. will think, oh, my gosh, how far do they go with their run sheets? No. <laughs> no that They're far. just professional. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Steve. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So now what we're going to do is... I don't even gonna... know what you guys are doing. I've got to try a small, small little <laughs> thing in my top left-hand corner. Um, we're going to discuss uh, the top 10 stories. Actually, before we do that, um, Mikkel, you read the Raven story today. Um, That's correct. What, like, for Australians or for free readers, we've read the Raven in the giant size and stuff like that. So I'm just curious because it was mentioned a lot in the last bit. It's also in the top 10, which I'll be getting to in a second. For someone who hasn't got a background in The Raven, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you know this. You asked me before. Uh, uh, but I yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't read Raven. Uh, so I had to guess a bit what kind of character it is uh, in the beginning and then Phantom meets up and it feels like the Phantom is telling him, oh, you're this person that have done this and this. I would have preferred like a few panels of backstory, like for those who came in late in the Phantom story, Mm. that would have been helpful for me. But I mean, I think he's some kind of like Count of Monte Cristo, but stuck Mm. in his uh, castle uh, and has some ability to speak with his pet raven. Yeah, sort of like that. I was just curious because I never thought of it like that because, you know, I we knew the backstory because I'd read it in Giant Size. And then when we were talking today, I thought, oh, yeah, it's, you know, from someone who hasn't read those stories, um, it was a good point that you raised. So sorry for throwing you on the spot, but I just thought it was worth uh, mentioning. Yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> um, <laughs> Now I need to read this uh, Scorpius thing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Get into that. Yeah, you need to. Uh, we'll talk afterwards and I'll buy the comics for you and send them over. Um, okay, so number 10 uh, is The Raven, which is the story that we just talked about, which is the upcoming storm. is by Andrew Constant and Ivan Rodriguez. So this, these are the best fruit stories as voted by the public. Uh, equal tenth, uh, equal eighth. Sorry, is Death Dive by Glenn Lumsden, uh, and the Triads by Clayser Murphy, Andrew Constant, and Filming. Um, number seven is Inked in Blood, which is done by Peter Anderson and Jason Paulus. 
Number six is the Ibis Mystery Saga, which is done, which was created by Norman Walker and Carrie Lapinen. Number five is The Adventures of Lucy Carey by Lee Fork and Cy Barry. So that was one that myself and Dan both voted for. So that was a top five story. So maybe there was a lot of other fans that had crushes on her as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, number four, uh, the fourth uh, voted story was The Demon, which is an older story by Norman Walker and Jamie Vell. Uh, this one kind of surprised me a little bit, to be honest. Um, and number three was The Forgotten Tribe, uh, done by Mikkel Sol and Janice Alden. So, um, you know, there's a story by Janice and, uh, and, and Alden as well, which uh, we've kind of voted as our favourite artists. Uh, number two was The Fight Against Singh, which was something that uh, you, and, you and me voted for, Mikkel, which was created by Clace Ramufi and uh, Janice Alden. And then the number one favourite story, as voted by the Fru readers, is held to account by Duncan Munro and Jeff Weigel. So congratulations to everyone. Um, if I was to look at that, it's, you know, the demon surprised me a little bit. That was probably the one that surprised me the most. But remembering what it, the story was, I really did like the fight element. I just didn't like the story. Um, is there any other, anything else that kind of stands out to anyone in looking at those top 10? Yeah. I, w I would just say on the demon, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some Jamie Johnson fans who have voted for that one as well, because he's the cover artist there. And we do know yeah. uh, that the demon featured well in the, um, in the cover. Um, so perhaps some people have voted for that as their their favourite story, but based yeah. on the cover, which is um, you know which is full credit to to, to Jamie Johnson as well. Um, it, it's worth saying, and, and we won't put this in the uh, won't necessarily put this in the Chronicle Chamber post that announces all of the survey results. So this is just for podcast listeners, if you like. But held to account was an absolute overwhelming first place. Yeah, um, probably double the votes of second place and um, went down pretty steadily and consistently from there, but held to account by Duncan Munro and Jeff Weigel um, was overwhelmingly um, the favourite. Um, so that's uh, it's worth noting, um, even if we're not going to make a big deal out of it out of the, in the website and that sort of thing, but uh, congratulations to Duncan and Jeff um, for for their work there. It, it's something that really hit a chord with uh, with readers in uh, in Australia and around the world. I guess anyone who who gets their their through comics. Yeah. Now the three of yous voted was in your top three, or in Stephen's case, his top five. Um, <laughs> so so what what is it that that um, resonates this story? Is it, is it the fact that Duncan's got a beloved character like Rex and modernised him and put it in and there's a, there's a nice, you know, subplots and stuff like that. Like what, but in 30 seconds or less, what makes this story so special for, for you guys? Dan? Or Stephen? Someone? Hard to say. Um, I remember really enjoying it when I read it. Um, um, I'd have to go back and, and read it again to, to really get those nuances. But I remember the, the, the humour that, that goes into the story. So you got the action and you got the humour. Um, it was just, it was a fun, action-packed story um, with, with 
um, with Rex, who's a, who's a beloved character. Um, also, not only with uh, Duncan and Jeff, but f- from memory and from talking with Duncan, I think when he, we had him on the podcast, uh, I want to say it was Glenn, was um, his editor, or, or mm. um, got him to just fix a few things up. Um, and I think Jeff also helped um, uh, Duncan out with a few few of those little uh, tweaks as well. So f- yeah, from memory, I think Glenn Ford helped mm. with a couple with a little with a bit of editing too. And so great team effort on on this story, and I look forward to to reading more. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it is partly that um, that beloved character that you talked about, Jim, with um, Prince Rex, and it's it feels like a while since anyone's. Um, had him in a story, and um, and that's reflected in the in the story. Like we we see growth in Rex, and we see him becoming yeah. his own hero. Um, Phantom not necessarily being the the main character, um, but is there and and is um, heroic as well, obviously. But I, th- I think it goes back to what Steve said there about the humour. Um, we we're lucky enough to know Duncan personally a little bit, and um, he's a funny guy. And he is able to translate that dry wit into his writing, which is a, a pretty special skill. And, um, and, and look, I would embarrass him and it wouldn't be accurate to say that he's in the same category as the, the dry wit of Lee Falk at his best. But um, he's certainly, that's an element of the Phantom as a character that I've always really enjoyed. And I think Duncan, in terms of modern writers, does it as well as anybody. So um, that and the little in-jokes that we're aware of and that sort of thing that Jeff Weigel also produces through his art, um, yeah, for me, that's why it's those, – those, those, those few reasons why it's up there for mine. Yeah. Mikkel, anything you want to add to that? I mean, you covered it the most, but, I mean, it also note, – I mean, you notice that he takes his time to write and it becomes good. I mean, he doesn't push out – six ten manuscripts every year it's like the things he does see it's really really good yeah, awesome all right well, while you're talking Mikel, uh as our um phantom man expert do you could, wanna... could, I, could i stay on the last subject one yes, more minute of course yeah because one, one thing i noticed is like if you compare the the swedish votes with this votes is that in Sweden they like every part of a, a story it's separated yeah. and here it's collected and I'm not sure what is most uh, fair because in the Swedish one the the big story arcs usually goes bad because what how can you choose one of the four stories but here yeah. it's also like how how could a 100 page story uh, measure up to a 23 page story average yeah. Yeah. It, it is an interesting choice that you've got to make when you put the survey together, and, and you know, um, so it was interesting. And I have noted this in the art in the article that um, of the ten stories here, I think six of them are actually um, uh, multiple parts. Uh, Fight against Sing was across four parts. Um, Ibis Mystery was across four parts. Inked in Blood was two. Death Dive was three. Triads was five, six, if you want to include the sequel, and The Raven was two parts as well. So it's a, it's a fair point that you make that six of those ten um, are multiple start part stories, and maybe that well, is an unfair advantage. But you can probably yeah, I think they have to account as well. That was a, that's a, that's a part that's of an part ongoing. Yeah. Oh, well, but yeah, it was a standalone story this yeah. year, where it, whereas it wasn't um, part of a four-parter or anything like that. 
Yeah, but no, that's a very good point. I, I actually prefer voting for it this way than the Phantom Men way because I think, you know, and maybe it's unfair, but like I, I think it shows this that the um, the the multi-part stories where you can get a little more in depth, you can focus a little bit more on the story and and stuff like that. Maybe Australian. Maybe it goes to show that Australian readers can actually handle that, um, and you know. Well, well it, it, you're, you're laughing, Mikel, and, and probably a lot of our listeners are laughing as well. Because, but it is something that um, Australian readers have complained about for a long time. They don't like the multi-part stories, but I think that's a, historically that's because um, they would, you know, four comics might come out, uh, four parts of the story might come out across eleven issues. You know, they're all just yeah, so yeah. spread out. Whereas yep. what the crew crew have done since in the last five years since they've come on board is when they've got a, a multi-parter um, with um, um, Heart of Darkness being the obviously uh, exception to this rule, they have produced them in, in consecutive issues, which has been well received. Yeah. yeah. I, I just felt it was a thing to, to lift up. I mean, it, oh, in definitely. a perfect world, it would be like the best multi-part series stories, mm. the best regular story, and then the best short story because I mean at least in Sweden we have these like five pages or less mm, it's mm. hard to compare those with the 23 pages story and I mean the survey together do you want to uh, add another couple of uh, uh, questions there you go Mikkel you've got a job to do at the end of uh, end of uh, this year <laughs> it's, a, it's a really valid point it's a really valid point Mikkel and, and something that's worth considering um, last year we did have um, the there was a four page I think Philip Madden and Jeremy McPherson's a little um, a little filler the sky band hey uh, yeah that was the little um, with the um, the hungry jungle vine thing. Yeah, and that was, I think it was, I want to say fourth or even third yeah, favourite story right. last year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting when you when you stop and look at the, the breakdown of different stories and how they're made up. Yeah, I mean, in Sweden, we earlier also had this, like, we had two votes, one for the best modern story and one for the best reprint story. But, yeah. okay. but that was, that felt strange. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, okay. Should we go to the next segment? Yeah, no, brilliant. <laughs> you now. So, uh, since I'm the Phantomen guy, uh, the best Phantomen story. So, I actually brought in a four or five page story here uh, The Ingen Vila for Mr. Walker, No Rest for Mr. Walker. And that's like a humorous story when he's uh, driving around. I think it's four or five pages. Yeah. Uh, I put that on the third place and then I put Urn that was in the last issue the island and then uh, Stolen Rings on the first place uh, that was like the next to last issue I think uh, that that's I mean yeah I've talked about it in the reviews but it's it taking the old oh someone has stolen the Phantom's Ring and uh, doing stuff but it takes it to a bit new level I would say hmm so that no rest for Mr. Walker, I've actually read that story. I uh, use my phone and the <laughs> Translate app. Uh, it, it took a while and there was a little bit of bugs and all that, but 
I, I was able to read the story and I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, and it's done by, I think it was inked by Carol Martinez. Uh, uh, Carol, um, the Spanish inker who normally does work with Rafael Ruiz. Uh, and it was done by a new penciler as well. But um, yeah, I can I can see why that was in your top three favourite stories. I enjoyed that myself. Yeah, and uh, that that leads to like the the best Phantomen uh, comic book of the year, and that would be like the twenty five twenty six. It has two of those stories, and it also had uh, what's it called in English? Uh, Heloise mm-hmm. comes home. That also was uh, like top. Top three, mm. my yeah. fan, like what was given out by Phantom the whole year. Mm. And yeah. and, we, and you mentioned that issue as having one of your favorite covers of the year as well. Yeah, so that was really the best issue of the year. Yeah. Now, Phantom Man doesn't really produce supplements or extras like they used to be back in the 90s and all that. I know um, they used to do like little Christmas cards and stuff like that. And that would have made uh, 25, 26 even more special if it had uh, some um, pre-Christmas cards to go with it. Or postcards. So uh, the new Phantom Man editor. I know you're listening to this. Um, (laughs) The public has spoken. (laughs) He'll be quoting uh, Expand the Phantom podcast in his or her job interview, I'm sure, when they say, so what do you know about uh, Phantom Man? And they'll be able to say, well, on X-Band, they say, we need Christmas cards. <laughs> we need to put in some more extras in the, in the yeah. Awesome. I appreciate you giving us those, uh, Mikel, giving us a, a nice international flavour. Yeah, and I feel a little guilty that uh, you've kept up with all of our fruit chat and I cannot go with you on the Phantom and stuff at all because I don't get a single issue. So, um, yeah, I mean, well done to you. Sweet, Swedish is harder for you to read than English for me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or you're a lot smarter than us being able to speak more than one language. <laughs> yeah, correct. So, um, so thank you for taking us through your best of Phantom story and issue, um, which will lead us back into more comfortable territory for me and probably the other two lads as well, uh, which is the best through issue overall. And uh, this was something that we... Uh, uh, had in the the survey as well, and this will be the last of the the um, topic the, the categories <coughs> that they contributes to. Um, we were allowed to choose our best three uh, through issues. I got stuck at two, to be honest, because I, I guess similar to to Stephen earlier, I had my favourite two, and then uh, a bit of a blanket over the next five or six. But uh, the twenty twenty annual for me was uh, easily, and and I, I say that comfortably, it was easily my favourite. Uh, through issue of the year. Um, and I guess, and you know, up front, it's, uh, I know it's not going to be a lot of people's favourites um, because there were so many reprints um, in the actual book, um, but it came with a poster that is now hanging in my son's room. It came with a, the Kids Phantom Supplement, which, is of, as I've said, is uh, um, also the, the, the comic book hero, the story that my son and I discussed the most, and he has read the 2020 annual um, uh, multiple times finding out all about the Isle of Eden and he's come out and asked me questions about um, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and dinosaurs and 
um, all the rest of it. So I guess that's the father in me happy that it's being passed down father to son, this love of the Phantom. Um, and the 2020 annual is uh, has done a lot of heavy lifting there for me. Um, I would also, my second is um, issue 1877, which uh, had the adventures of Lucy Carey, but also had Peter Anderson's um, story, The Outlaws. And um, I know the artwork of Raphael Dantas in that story was not everybody's favourite. And I did say when we reviewed it that I found it that a little bit overly wordy at times. Um, but as a package, the, that classic story, and then a, another story, modern, fresh, new, set in the same universe, um, set in the same time sequence, um, which was a story that I had a lot of fun with. Um, yeah, that would be my second. And, and, and I'll leave the third spot empty at this stage. Jermaine, what did you, what did you have as your best three issues? Um, uh, where was it? The 18, so in no particular order, 1869, which is the Hell to Account and the Wharf Rats. Um, and then 1877, which was the adventures of Lucy Carey and the Outlaws. So that's the same as, as yours. For me, I, I like those stories because it, it provides the perfect balance. And you made a very good point about with your son is it provides the perfect balance and of appealing to the newer fans in, and but also the older fans in the sense that it's got a classic story in the sense, you know, Adventures of Lucy Carey, The Wharf Rats, and they're printed very, very good. They've got a, a beautiful cover on them. And then there's a, a newer story. So it's it's like the perfect blend. And so for, for an older fan, they're happy because they've got an old classic story they can reread. But then for the newer fan say, for instance, like your son or a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old and, you know, dare we say someone in their 30s could still be considered young, um, it, it, it has that perfect mix where they can read the classic, reminisce or fall in love with the classic stories, but there's also still the new story which uh, might appeal to the younger generation. So in my opinion, those two issues are the top, the top ones that are the regular issues that Fru has released. Yeah. They should be doing more of those all the time, having that new and old, whether it's a sequel or whether it's related in some way, but that is the way in my, how I believe Fru should be doing it. And then my third favourite is the Fru trade paperback of the Triad Saga. Just it being in colour, Nice, thick. You can read the whole five, six parts together. You know, you don't have to pull out issues. It's just, you know, I like that. And I like how through have reprinted the five stories, which is everyone's enjoyed. I know Stephen said in past stories, it's his all-time, fa- some of his all-time favourite stories. And then there's the sequel as well. So I just like how through have done those type of things. Uh, Mikhail. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite close. 1869 with the Hell to Account and Wharf Rats and Looters. Great story, great cover, everything great. And then the tried t- trade paperback. I I think all the trade paperbacks through have done is amazing. Yeah. It's good coloring, it's good quality. Uh, it feels the the weight is good. I. I like the feel to just hold it while I'm reading it. Mm, mm. 
and then I picked uh, annual 1858 with uh, I like that cover too even though it wasn't my top three it would be, would have been an honorable mention and includes the the kid phantom special and it includes a nice poster of uh, some of the animals yeah the poster was a nice touch yeah could have been double double the size then it would be yes yeah i would agree with that yeah Yeah. and yep um just about everyone else has gone for the um for the 2020 annual and I am with them. I, I really like that as a, as a total package. Um, I agree that the poster uh, could have been bigger. That would have been good. I really like um, this idea of having themes for the annual. So last year was, um, was, was the animals. I think the year before was the, the war issue, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which I didn't think I'd like because I'm not a big war guy, but I thought that was yeah. brilliant. Um, was it the Westerns before that? Yes. And we've had a, and a girl phantom and the girl phantom the one as well. so um mm. this idea about doing uh different uh, uh sticking to a theme for the annual has been yep. brilliant um i know coming up we've got a side we're going to, uh, to the artist in regards to side barry um more on that when we review the comic but yes. um uh I've, no we'll talk about that <laughs> let's read it before I'm we sure. judge it yeah um and also, what really, what I also really liked about that total package is the inclusion of the the Kid Phantom special. Yeah. Um, I think that's what really put it over the line. You know, thinking, oh, am I going to include this in my top three with the Kid Phantom special? And that story, it was excellent. Um, also, in my top three was the uh, the, the Christmas issue. Um, hmm. I, I'd really like to see the um, uh, the the daily stories or newspaper stories, not just the dailies, the, the Sundays as well, a bit more regularly, a bit more regular in our fur issues. Um, yeah. I wish we wouldn't have to wait till Christmas every year to, to really catch up on them. Um, I think we mentioned this in our last podcast or a couple of podcasts ago, um, that there's a couple of stories that we need to catch up on. Um, so, but yes, for the, to, to be able to catch up a little bit on the, on those, Newspaper stories, the the Christmas issue gets a vote, and as um, Jermaine mentioned earlier, the Triads saga is one of my all time favourite stories. I loved it back in the nineties when I was a teenager and, and read the the five issues when they came out. Um, I was and I was very disappointed that I wasn't able to get onto the review episode for for Triads. Um, I'd be happy if that was all in black and white, um, but. Color also adds another dimension to it, um, and then we got the bonus part at the end with with Andrew. Um, so as a whole, that that issue um, was excellent, and uh, I hope people who had never read the stories before um, got a got a thrill or a bit of a, a kick out of it. And mm. yeah, now I don't have to pull out five or whatever comics to uh, to read it again. Now I can just pull out a, a trade paperback and. And read to my heart's content. Yeah. But what I think I'm going to do after reading this podcast, after doing this podcast, is go back and read Duncan's story again, held to account. We've spoken about it so many times, <laughs> and I didn't put it into my my top three issues. Um, but I want to go back and reread that now, <laughs> as well yeah. as um, the the comic book hero. So it was interesting. Three of four of us put the annual. 
um, in our top. Just quickly, was it the extras and the theme that kind of sold it? Because there was no news stories or, or anything like that. Was it like the fact that it was a good theme and there was the extras with the poster and and the kid fansom story? Was that what kind of made the annual special for you guys? Well, two minutes ago when I was just saying about the 2020 was exactly what I said. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly was a theme, but it's also, I know, I know that not, not any of the stories in the actual annual were brand new, never seen before. But unless you're that 30-year-old fan who might have read them when you were 10, they're, they're new stories to a lot of people. And I think it's, it's easy for the older fans to, um, and, but then the, the mad collectors who have read everything for 25, 30, 40 years to go, oh, this old thing that I read when I was, you know, 20 years ago. Lots of people haven't read it. And, um, you know, I think that uh, the, the policy of Fru at the moment, um, not to reprint anything that's been reprinted in the 20 years, that's a really good number. Um, and, and it's going to get that they're essentially new stories for a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, I don't think we should overlook that. Yeah. It's probably why I'd put the, the 2019 annual slightly above the 2020 annual because there are new stories yeah. there. But like you said, Dan, you haven't read these stories in 20 years. They're, they're pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think also like for me, one of the reasons why I, I like, I, I'm took the 2019 annual, as you said, um, Stephen, that's like one of my all-time favourite fruit issues, hands down, overall from the whole 80 years. With the with the 2020 annual, the fact that there was the poster and then the Kid Phantom thing, instead of like a replica, and it, it kind of like made it acceptable was the fact that it had those extras in it. Because, you know, for the old crusty fan, which let's face it, the four of us are, is it still has something appealable to even us with those stories that have been published before. Mm. Now, the other question, yes or no answer, and this is a shout-out to Nick, who I know is a huge fan, Stiggy and his, yes or no? Love on. Let's get more stories with them. I want to see a story where, where his is riding on Stiggy and they break in through, out of the, um, the deep woods to, to help... Um, the phantom with something that's happened. Fair enough, Mikel. <laughs> I mean, the boards are just firing off the top of them. You know, they're not getting through the skins. <laughs> they're better than the mini people. I say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, Dan. Uh, a huge yes from me. I I really enjoy those things. <laughs> Nick, looks like you're on your own, buddy. Um, <laughs> so did you want to do the top 10 and, and then do the prize, or do you want to do the prize draw first? Yeah, we'll go through the top 10. Um, so the top 10 um, through issues, as voted by the fans, um, we've actually got a three-way tie in ninth place. Um, two of those are Ibis Mystery Stories, so issue 1873 and 1876, both with Grange Wallace covers. Um, the Ibis Mystery Part 1 and Part 4 were, were uh, tied in ninth with uh, issue 1864, which was the fight against Singh Part 1, um, and it also included um, A Heart of Darkness, um, one of the final parts of that. Um, in eighth place was issue 1882, the Christmas special with the three newspaper mm. stories in colour, the only um, colour issue 
from Fru in 2020 has finished in eighth place. In seventh place is the Fru trade paperback number three, the triads with the five-part saga, original saga from the 90s and the uh, the Andrew Constant sequel, all um, inked by Felmang, which was uh, we, something we noted in the review. Um, in sixth place, we had issue 1877, which we've spoken about, the 84-page special featuring the adventures of Lucy Carey and the Outlaws. In fifth place, again, I suspect with that Jamie Johnson bump, um, is issue 1871, uh, The Demon. Um, it's, it's a great cover and um, a story that perhaps we have underrated uh, in the past. In, part, in, in fourth place, um, issue 1866, um, was one that surprised me with how high this was. Um, issue 1866, The Fight Against Sing, Part 2, and A Heart of Darkness issue. It just seemed like a really random issue to have in um, in fourth place, um, a part two of a, a four-part series with The Heart of Darkness chapter. But mm. there you go. Um, what do I know? Um, in third place was something that three of the four of us voted for, was issue 1858, the 2020 annual, which, as we said, included the bonus poster and Kid Phantom special number one. Um, in second place, um, Mikel Sol is someone who we didn't mention as a uh, an author or a favourite writer of this year, but he um, wrote the story that finished in second place uh, in terms of favourite Fru stories. That's issue 1857, The Forgotten Tribe, with, of course, a, a Heart of Darkness chapter. So um, uh, three Heart of Darkness chapters, as it turns out, in across our top ten issues. And in first place, um, in the same way that... Um, uh, Daniel Pachotto's cover for 1869 and uh, Duncan Munro's story for 1869 were both our favourite covers, our, and I say ours, the, the fan favourites, the people who voted. They were our favourite cover and our favourite story, and issue 1869 was our favourite issue, that 68-page special with Held to Account, as well as Lee Fork's stories, the original Wharf Rats and Looters. And I think that probably speaks to your point earlier, Germ, about um, new stories and old stories coming together in the same issue, a little bit for everybody, um, wrapped around with a with a stunning cover that we've uh, we've mentioned that um, you know had that film poster essence to it. Um, Eighteen sixty nine has got to be the uh, the runaway winner, really, of twenty twenty yeah. for through, given that it was our favorite cover, our favorite story, and our favorite overall issue. Yeah, no, huge congratulations. Yeah, huge congratulations to all involved. Um, there's there's a few in there that kind of jump out, and I wonder if it's, you know, like you said, whether they got the vote because of the of the cover or not. But um, some of them, like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It's a bit of a mix a mixed bag that one. Um, so it's it's interesting looking at the at the votes. So I really enjoyed having a look at that top ten. And and it's probably worth saying, similar to, I guess, the revelation about um, Held to Account being a runaway winner, what I would say is by the time we got – the top five were pretty clear, the bottom five, and then probably the next 15, to be honest, yeah. like top 10 through to top 25, really, really tight in terms of votes. And I think we spoke about this in the podcast where we sort of launched the, the survey um, – there's just a, a, a lot of uniformity. There's something for everybody. Yeah. I noted um, in our, in our um, private chat today, there was, um, and I'm not going to name stories or artists or anything like that, but there was only one cover across the, all of the stories, the trade paperbacks, the giant sizes, the Phantom's Worlds, the, all the rest of it. There was only one cover that nobody voted for. 
there was only four stories out of the 60 that nobody had in their top five. And there was only one issue out of the um, third, what we say? Yeah, about 30 odd. 30 odd um, <laughs> um, publications that Fru put out that nobody had in their top three. So there really was something for everybody. Um, yeah. uh, it was a really long, um, yeah, a really, uh, a lot, a lot of people. It wasn't clear cut like it has been in the past. Like 1869 held to account was a clear winner and a clear favourite amongst all three categories, but the rest of it, um, you know, there was a a lot of uniformity across uh, across the voting. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, it will be interesting next year with the there being a normal issue being in colour to see whether that gets in the top ten or not. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so um, no, it's always it's always fun looking at the top tens and kind of seeing what everyone thinks. Yeah, and and I've alluded to it a couple of times. Obviously, there's going to be a chroniclechamber.com post about all of this, yes. which will include all of the the results there for people to stop and have a look at, rather than try and um, remember what we've said. So yeah. by all means, go back and have a good long look at the the web page and and. Um, you know, scroll through and make your own mind up about um, what patterns you might see and that sort of thing. We've tried to observe some points of interest, but um, yeah, always interesting to see what other people see when they um, have a good long look at these uh, these lists. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to do the um, a prize draw for our winners. Now, from memory, so these are all the people that have entered. Can't. Yeah, there we go. So, oh, can't. Um, there we go. So we'll do it this way. Um, who, <laughs> I saw my name. Yeah, can someone who's on the podcast win? That doesn't well, seem right. I did get rid of us. So yeah, we'll get rid of Mikel. So Mikel. Oh. Um, <laughs> so this is everyone that's voted. So we've, it's not including the four of us or our relatives. Oh, um, that's devastated. <laughs> he's already got he's already got a uh, so winner <laughs> one and two get the fruit crew batch and did we what did we agree on regarding number three four and five when they get I thought we said they were getting the set okay yep so there you go so um, so so three four and five get the set so so let's do the first one. Just for, before, just go back up there, Germ, and tick the box that says remove, um, remove, remove name from list after of names after the draw. You can't win a, twice. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so we're going to do that. Now, has someone got a pen so they can write this down? Yeah, I got him. Okay, so this is for the first prize, which is a free crew. Um, Badge. So we're going through. Keep an eye on there. And Daniel and uh, Daniel uh, Columbia. Um, Daniela Columbara as well. Uh, yeah, whatever. Maybe I should have got. Um, you got that one written. That one down. Written so down, congratulations. Yeah. You get a free crew badge. So this is for the next free crew badge. Go through. Go through. Go through. And Nick oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's had a shout out and now he's got a fruit crew badge. Yeah, and I think he's actually hasn't got one yet and I think he's been wanting one. Is that oh, right? Awesome. So uh, he'll be very happy that he's got himself. 
a um, a free crew badge, and maybe it's payment for us bagging him all uh, episode as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the next winner is for a uh, Chronicle Chamber set, which includes a pin, um, badge, and sticker, which is Shane. Well, that's vague. We're going to have to look up the um, email address of that one. Yeah. Shane Foley, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then, so the, the next set is Glucio, Glucio Cardosa. Congratulations. Friend of, friend of Chronicle Chamber. Um, Phantasma TV. Yeah. This is our YouTube channel. Check it out. So the last winner is Adrian Wade. Awesome. So thank you, everyone, for, um, uh, for joining in. Um, I'll just um, I'll, I'll just let everybody know we've got those all written down, and um, we'll work out uh, email addresses who who Shane is exactly, um, and uh, postal addresses, and we'll get those off to you as soon as we can in the next couple of days. Yeah, so a huge thank you to everyone for uh, voting. Uh, we had over two hundred, which is a nice number. Um, so huge thanks to everyone. Um, all these numbers, all the stats and everything goes to free. Uh, they see it all and um, they then use it in their discussions of future planning and all that. So you've had your say and now free have got all of that. So, um, yeah, huge thanks. Now we've got two more sections to discuss. Is it two more? Yeah. So the f- next one is going to be the best merchandise. Dan, do you want to go over the licensed stuff? And then, Stephen, do you want to go over the unlicensed stuff? And then we'll go from there. That sounds good. All right. So the licensed um, licensed material or merchandise that uh, came out in 2020, um, well, we start with the uh, the first thing and the thing that's, I think, closest to our hearts, and that's the, uh, the Bushfire fundraiser book that Chronicle Chamber produced. Um, you know, up front, we've got to say that the licensing was donated to us by King Features, so um, didn't have to fork out for the, uh, for the costs there. But it was all part of a, of a wonderful effort to try and raise mon- uh, funds for um, what at the time was the absolute biggest crisis of 2020 and um, <laughs> is something that um, I, I absolutely don't want to belittle because the, the, the bushfire crisis, which was literally a year ago to this day, um, that the world was staggered at the, the vision of, um, of Australia on fire. Um, and I'm just so, you know, we'll talk about it in a moment. But, yeah, anyway, so the Chronicle Chamber Bushfire Fundraiser book that came out, which was licensed. Um, later in the year, we had the Icon Collectibles. Um, they had the heat mug and the jigsaw puzzle, um, which I showed off proudly in our last podcast as uh, having received those under the Christmas tree this year. Very excited about that. Uh, Wolfric Media, um, which uh, we had a, a really good chat with Kelby Woodridge um, in a previous podcast. Um, number escapes me off the top of my head, but just scroll through your um, your podcast feed and you'll see it there. Um, a, a really unique, I believe. Sorry? 173, I believe. 173. Um, really unique Phantom Collectibles um, in terms of something that you could absolutely personalise and is your size, but is still a licensed piece of jewellery, um, whether that's a pendant or um, a ring. Um, those were, you know, the, a full range of, of things came out. There's probably not a lot of people who have got those, but they're certainly things that came out. 
Um, Phantomen came out with a folder. Now, that was for um, collecting comics in. Is that right, Jim? Yep. yep. Mikel's got a couple behind him. Well, there you go. Yep. Mikel, uh, Mikel, Mikel just makes some noise, mate, while you... Mikel's going to show us something, and he's also going to unmute his microphone. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. Sh I'm not sure exactly where uh, where the new one is because I just, as you see, it's just uh, everything. I have, I have it in plastic. You can see through the Henrik Solström. <laughs> but I mean, it, they they work like this. That they have thirteen comics in them. Yeah, very good. Yep. So, uh, so that's another piece of merch that came out this year. And Comics Kingdom um, have been really um, just upping their game year on year, really, in terms of the the merch that they offer. Personally, still haven't bought anything from Comics Kingdom. It's probably an oversight. Um, but the the big thing that um, was a huge uh, they wouldn't if if we'd asked them a year ago what's going to be a big seller on Comics Kingdom in terms of fandom merch, that any and if you'd said face mask, they would have said what. As it turned out, huge. So yeah. <laughs> you can get yourself a Phantom face mask, uh, fully licensed from Comics Kingdom, but they've also got baby outfits, shirts, jumpers, um, some posters, uh, socks, all of that sort of stuff. So um, that's all of the licensed stuff that we're aware of uh, that's come out for Phantom this year. Steve, what about the uh, unlicensed stuff? I have to go into Comics Kingdom now. I didn't even realise they had a face mask out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, for the unlicensed stuff, well... Yes, Chronicle Chamber. We've got our license stuff with the Bushfire book, but we've also got our nice little uh, Patreon gifts. Um, the keyring, the sticker, and the and the badge. The keyring I use every day. I've got it on my car keys. It's great. Um, the Crooked Dice figurines. Yes, they're not technically the Phantom, but they're the Phantom. Um, and then we've got uh, the Fabio Colt uh, figurines, the bust. What's this? Bust V Predator. Phantom with his Phantom versus Predator. Oh, really? I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> and the full figure over water. And Cy Barry, we've got a Sunset Salute, Sunset over Bangala print, and Tea Public Offerings. Do you, um, yeah, no, that's all right. There was uh, talking about Tea Public, I think. Um, uh, Paul Mason had the Phantom Command oh, yes. Commando. He did too. Well on, on that. Yep. So, yeah, so Dan, when it comes to best merchandise of 2020, what's your uh, what are, what are your picks? Um, well, I can't go past the Bushfire book, um, and <laughs> the shameless self-interest involved, in this, I suppose, because um, uh, we, as a group, were so heavily involved in um, in creating that. Um, I'll talk about that again more in the uh, the best Chronicle Chamber moment bit, which we're going to do next, I suppose. But um, I really, uh, trying as hard as I can to put my own self-interest aside, I just thought that was a really well-produced book with a great variety of um, images that was really timely and poignant at that time. Um, I think a lot of that moment has unfortunately evaporated with what happened since but in the time and in the moment, I thought it was just outstanding. Um, I really like, I haven't purchased any um, of the Fabio cult figurines, um, and this, the, but the photos that you see of him producing them and um, 
some of the pictures you've seen of, of satisfied customers, I think that the work that he's doing is, is really, really nice. And if one of those turned up for free at my house, I'd love it. Um, and, uh, and again, of course, uh, it's a self-interest thing. We spoke about it last interest, uh, last uh, podcast, but uh, the Cyberry's Sunset Salute print is an, another favourite of mine for, for reasons I went into in the last podcast. Mm. Yeah, mine, apart from the Bushfire book, which I think looking at the run sheet, we've all voted for, um, apart from those two, it would have to be the Fabio Colt bust. Now, I also don't have a, one of these. Um, I, I just, I like the level of detail that he's put in it. It's just, it's just, it's impressive. Yeah. Um, but the other one would have to be the little heat change mug. Um, I just think they're, they're a little bit gimmicky, but they're a good product for kids to give to their parents or stocking fillers or, you know, it, it reminds me of the 90s in Australia with Granny Mays where, Mm. Everyone was getting a, a pair of phantom boxes or or a phantom mug or, or something like that because it's the type of present that you would give to someone. And, and you know, I would like now to be able to live through those days when I've got more disposable income or when I've actually got a job rather than uh, having to bludge off my parents. Uh, so, you know, for me, it, it's it's a bit of a taste of going back there. So that's probably my, my next one. It's a, it's a really nice price point, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm. Um, so lucky, lucky guys, the bushfire book, um, definitely got the top vote. Um, and also on, on the same note as what James has been saying about the, the, the fun little things. I like things that are useful. They, um, uh, so the Patreon gifts, um, I'm going to put up there as a another great bit of merch. Um, I've got the the keyring on my keyring. Um, I've got you know the stickers up at my local comic shop. Um, badges are always good. Uh, they're just nice, fun little things. Um, but I was oh, no, I haven't written it down here. But I think having the um, the mug and the um, and the puzzle out in a shop. Uh, for example, Sanity, um, where people could actually go and, and get them. And yeah. just in time for Christmas, I thought that was perfect. Um, yeah. I was disappointed that after Christmas, um, I went to go get the Phantom Puzzle and they were sold out. And um, yeah. so. I thought, you were, I thought you were about to say you were disappointed that immediately after Christmas you could have saved um, 35%. By buying the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, my Sanity didn't have that, so it was still the same sale that they had before Christmas, which was like two for 40, whatever it was. Um, so I still haven't got the puzzle. Um, oh, nice. Next time I'm, I'm there, hopefully they did say they were getting more in, so hopefully they'll get more in. So that's been really... So the fact that puzzles are, are being so popular now because everyone's at home, um, so having, having that for um, uh, merchandise of 2020, I think was a really good idea. Mikhail. Mm. Yeah, uh, we were talking about the Comics Kingdom uh, face masks earlier. I wish the post postage to Sweden was cheaper because it's like the the actual mask doesn't cost that much, but uh, I I converted it. It's eighty five Aussie dollars to get it to Sweden. Wow. One mask. <laughs> yeah, so it's like twenty times the cost of the masks. That's crazy. Yeah, but I think like it would be a nice conversation piece. Like when you show up your collection in twenty years, it's 
Like, yeah. Oh, you remember that year when we had to have mask? You know, this is the official mask. La la la. So yeah. I mean, after it all runs over, maybe they do a oh, was it that type fire of mask? sale. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, I, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like. You know. No, 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 no. COVID mask. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, you. you you should have had seven of them down there. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I've just gone onto the Comics Kingdom website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I see it now. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I love this. Uh, I got these Crooked Dice figurines uh, painted by th- this great uh, guy. I get to learn with the board game. And I mean, I, I love that. Andrew did a painting, so... I had to put it there. Mm. Uh, something w- was missing there. There was this uh, new uh, DVD from the UK with the poster and the postcard. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, and that, since that was one of the few things I got. Uh, but then, uh, I mean, I also had the, the Bushfire book. I wasn't there with you. I mean, I, I have no part in that, but I, I really love how you guys the fans and the creators got together and i mean it shows the best part of the of the community of the phantom community i th- i think it's it's really great that mm. how it became yeah thank you mm. it's it's it's, inter- it's interesting hearing your perspective on it because for us there was you know a lot of late nights and mm-hmm. um and stuff and then hearing someone who's just a, a buyer of it uh, their thoughts on it and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I love flipping through it and looking at the images, but I mean, most of all, I think it's it's so great that you like in so short time got so many to do art and get it out to people and uh, doing something good for the world. And I, I mean, it, it shows the best side of Yeah. Everything. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right, so I lied before. I said there was two sections to discuss. There was three. So now there's two. Uh, So the next one we're going to discuss is the best Chronicle Chamber moment. So I think think we all vote that the Bushfire book was probably the pinnacle. For me, the reason why it was the pinnacle was because it was a lifetime goal to create something licensed. As a, I think I said this in the podcast where we actually discussed it. Um, as a 14, 15-year-old, I actually started creating my own Phantom comic. I had it all written. It was actually the death of Lubunga. Um, he died differently in my story than in the actual Team Phantom End story. Um, he got uh, his head cut off and through the basket of uh, it being pulled up a bit. I had just seen Braveheart, so I'm not sure if anyone remembers that scene. So I kind of pinched that idea. Um, but So for me, it was a lifetime goal actually creating something licensed. Now, if I was to put aside the Bushfire book, it would have to be the Chronicle Chamber catch-ups that we did this year, the ones on Zoom. Um, they were just... One, the first one we did in June or July, that went for people were still talking for four and a half, five hours. Uh, <laughs> it was it was crazy. There was, you know, um, and we had some uh, creators. We had like Paul Mason and Duncan Munro who stayed for the whole time and they were showing stuff, talking to stuff, and then there was people asking them questions and they were answering questions. And it really helped itch the itch of not being able to actually physically catch up with fans this year. 
So that'll be my best Chronicle Chamber moment. Uh, Steve? Yeah, so of course the bushfire book, um, being a small part in the creation of that, um, you two did the heavy lifting on that and I did a, you know, my little bit. Um, but getting to podcast, like, you know, haven't been able to do much this year, but getting to podcast and talk phantom and, you know, being able to, you know, put work to the side and whatever else and mm. just talk about an imagine, uh, you know, a fictional character who we all hold dear. It's just, who, who gets to do that? And, <laughs> you know, it's good fun. All right. So yeah. just, so just getting the podcast, whether it's to, you know, just um, us who are here now, or is it to, um, you know, to creators and, or whatever. Um, it's just, it's really good fun. And I really enjoyed doing it. Um, something that's, um, I, no, I reckon I can put it in the next section. So no. Okay. That's all awesome. right. Dan. I guess, um, well, obviously the bushfire book, as we've said, it, it was absolutely, and and um, if, if that's the pinnacle of ever working on Chronicle Chamber, I think we'll we'll um, be satisfied because that was um, an, an amazing eight, twelve week period between conception and delivery of the book, and um, just um, seeing the the overwhelmingly positive responses from artists to the invitation to contribute and the variety of pictures that came in and, um, you know, the work that went into putting it together. But then the the absolute satisfaction of seeing the, the dollars tick over as the um, people purchased the book um, and paid for it and we set up a, you know, a shop account that we've never used since and probably never will again um to to raise these funds and then yeah that overwhelming sense of satisfaction to donate that money and go from an idea that we had and from the the fruit of our labors and the labors of so many other people and just seeing um uh, you know wh whichever artist it was say right i've just sold the original for 500 dollars. i've just sold the original for whatever it is and it all adding up and and just seeing the the amount of money that we we're able to donate to a really worthy cause um because everyone just got behind it so immediately it was it was just fantastic it was so heartwarming and i know so many people <laughs> so badly affected by the bushfires back then and i hope that you know what we were able to do is, is is a drop in the ocean in terms of what was needed but i hope it's a drop that um that helped so so absolutely that the the feel good um the, the yeah the feel good vibes of, of being able to put that together is just incredible and I guess um, later in the year, um, and we've we've alluded to it a couple of times. So we'll we'll talk about it in more depth in a, in a future podcast. But uh, later in the year, the invitation from Malin to um, who approached us to say, "Look, you guys know what you're doing. Um, can you give us some help with the uh, with the diary that we're producing for the 85th year and and the opportunity to do a bit of stuff behind the scenes and contribute to the the 85th anniversary diary, which will will come out in the next few months." Um, you know, to have a to have a creator, to have a, a publisher reach out to us and say, hey, we see what you're doing and we know you do good stuff. Can you help us out with this? And to then feel like you've made a positive contribution. And, and, and for me, I, I started buying Melon Diaries in the in the middle 90s as a teenager. And at the time, there was ideas I had on how you could make that better. And then the opportunity to actually bring that to fruition um, was a really cool, was a really cool thing as well. So, um, oh, yeah. What you guys have said, but I'd, I'd add that. Awesome. <laughs> what, what's what's interesting? Um, my old man just the other day, um, he was cleaning some stuff out back at 
you know, home or you know, where mum and dad live. And um, said, oh, came across these. Um, would you would you like them? <laughs> I thought, absolutely. One was um, something to do with the movie. And um, I think it was a poster. And um, the other one was, the I think it was the 97 Melon Diary. So, um, oh, wow. So, and they're coming down this weekend. So, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm getting those back into my collection. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. So, Mikkel, so I know you're a regular contributor to uh, Chronicle Chamber. Anything you want to uh, add um, from the Chronicle Chamber hat? Yeah, I mean, the the personal best thing with Chronicle Chamber this year was when we had the podcast before the Kickstarter and when we had the live, uh, when we pl- played through uh, through the game over our link. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was great and uh, thankful to have the chance. And I mean, I I love doing the reviews and this. Mm. Awesome. Well, we look, yeah. I regret not writing it down there, but um, quite sincerely, Mikkel, one of my um, favorite things last year was being able to, uh, to help with the fan and board game Kickstarter and this year very much to help with, the, with your card game Kickstarter and to follow that. Um, journey for the month and um, you know see see you hit your goals and your stretch goals so quickly and then be able to expand and expand and expand uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun um, yeah. and, and we really appreciate you you know giving us the opportunity to, to see a little bit behind the scenes and, and and follow you on that journey as well so again you know in a in a different year that would have been my probably top pick but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I thought that was a 2019 thing with the, I thought, was that what, I thought we helped out with that back in 2019 and just the Kickstarter came up this past year so that's why I wasn't in my moments. <laughs> yeah. did I get that wrong <laughs> I remember all of us staying up and I think it was like yep. about I think it was 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock my time so it would have been like 2 o'clock yep. or something for you Dan I don't think Stephen I don't think you made I would it. have gone oh, no way <laughs> and so we're all messaging with Mikel and uh, I remember because um, I was I stayed up with my wife and, she, and I said to her I've got to stay up we're going to sign up for the Kickstarter, and I just remember for the like the first hour after it, just talking with you, Mikel, and just pressing refresh every second and stuff like, and just seeing the 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 amount going up and up and up and up, and it was um it was good fun uh just uh watching the tally go up with you. Yeah, and I I remember did like you said stayed up till ridiculous o'clock to make sure I got my pledge in, and waking up the next morning and going oh. I could have done that now and I'd still get the same <laughs> package that I was after. That's what this fella did. <laughs> but you couldn't know. You couldn't know. It could have. Couldn't know. That's right. I took the chance. <laughs> I mean, it was, those things are so hard to predict how, how, the, how much it's going to go. But I mean, we sold all the hundred uh, designed prints. So that was good. Yeah. No, it was, it was great. So while so our last one, Mikkel, do you so this is an overall reflection on 2020. So this is through Phantom in, uh, worldwide publishers and just Phantom in general. Just give us you know a, a minute or so, minute or two, um, an overall reflection of 2020. Yeah, I mean, let's start in Sweden. Uh, 2020 was starting as a disappointment and. Uh, but it finished quite good, but uh, still it was a terrible year. Uh, it's a wonder that we didn't lose many subscribers. And at the end, we also got the, to know that Mikael Sol, who I think have done a great job, is 
quit thing so the future is quite uh, uncertain uh, so in Sweden it could have been a much better year uh, but uh, on the positive side I think like the comics they give out in India now is really good and mm, yeah. I think the Brazil ones is looking good and Australia is uh, I mean even though it was uh, a bit sad when they cancelled Phantom's World and Kid Phantom which is uh, I, I like those titles uh, I, I still think they're doing a lot of things right in Australia so except for Sweden I think most of the things is going the right way yeah um, Dan yeah, I, I'll probably start by acknowledging, um, again, Rolf goes um, and, and other uh, mm. Phantom Luminaries that we've lost in 2020. Um, it, you know, I'll tip my hat to people like Massimo who have actually contracted COVID themselves and, and, and come through it. So um, the, that, that battle that, that people have had around the world, um, I know that Tony DePaul and his family, um, you know, have been very cautious because of the living in America in, in, in such a ridiculous hotspot and, um, you know, the, the pre-existing conditions that he has that are, you know, probably not famous, but are public, you know, are, are known. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, just thinking about the way people have battled that around the world, I need to acknowledge Simi Barry um, and, um, you know, Vale, her memory um, and, um, you know, full credit to Sai for, uh, you know, within weeks and, 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 and months being able to pick up the pen and paper again and, um, and continuing the, the creations that he's made. And, and 2020 has just been such a difficult year for so many individuals in the Phantom world. Um, from, a, from a global Phantom perspective, um, I hadn't really thought about it until you said earlier, Germ, but the effect that 2020 might have economically down the track on, on 2021, it's certainly something that we're going to have to be mindful of. But, um, you know... It, when we look at the list of merchandise that's come out, it's it's probably slimmer than we would have hoped and we would have liked. Hopefully, as I said, a few things come out that have been promised in 2021 and we'll see how that goes um, in the 85th anniversary year. So, again, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, sort of a... Not an up year, not a down year, just a, just a year. And um, I guess in 2020, with everything else that went on, that's um, that's a win uh, for the fans. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that that would be my overall hmm, thoughts. Yeah, um, I think with 2020, you know, Caesar Spadera was another one who passed away. Um, for a lot of us, we grew up on his work. Um, you know, uh, and I know other fandom creators who had family members that have um, uh, that contracted uh, COVID as well. I know Henrik Solstrom with his mum, and and stuff like that as well. So, um, it's with all of that that happened. I actually think that 2020 was a pretty good year in the fact that mm. that uh, Brazil, uh, India. USA, um, Sweden, Australia, and, and, and Hungary produced comics with the Phantom in it. Like, mm-hmm. It would have been a lot easier for a lot of them just to shut up shop. And, and we know that uh, through cut down their, you know, had, had to kind of cut down their, their contact hours. And, and I'm sure there would have been that with a lot of other publishers. Um, you know, people did 
what do you call it, remote. You know, so there would have been a lot of stuff done remotely and all that. But the fact that we still saw comics, I think, is a great tribute to everyone involved. And um, uh, Mikkel made mention of it before, that the fact that the subscription numbers for Phantom Men has actually increased. That probably hasn't been the case for, you know, probably 10 years that they've actually seen an increase of, of numbers, which is pretty cool when you think of it. Um, so I, in saying all of that, I think 2021 needs to be a big year. There, there has to be some products that come out that kind of kickstart it, makes that, you know, kind of makes up for a, a hard 2020, hopefully with the card game, the board game, the articulated figurines, um, and then hopefully with some other stuff like the Melon Diary and some more stuff with Icon and, 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 and stuff like that. Hopefully it will, 2021 will become a big year and um, kind of make up a little bit for 2020. And maybe, just maybe, there might even be a couple of conventions for people to go to as well. Mm. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Um, and I'm telegrams, I'm not going to be saying anything to out of the blue here. Um, 20, 2020, we held firm, or the Phantom held firm. Um, nothing really incredible. Um, of course, there's been some incredible issues, um, and, yeah. and people have been able to come come together, like we said on the on the um, on the bushfire book. Um, but the thing is, we the, it didn't go backwards. The Phantom didn't go backwards, yeah. um, and the announcements of what's um, what's to come in twenty twenty one are very exciting. So with, with the toys and the games, um, so very much looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. I forgot to mention about Sammy J and being a Phantom fan and, and consistent, well not consistently, but semi regularly mentioning the Phantom on his um, radio show. Um, will we go to any conventions in 2021? <laughs> Depends if we can get over the border, really. <laughs> well, because yeah, it's it's a good question. It's I will be honest. I had this this I had this discussion with my wife, what maybe two three days ago, um, about Sydney 2021, and and I just thought of it then. Um, so I'm still on the fence. I'm not sure whether I will actually go to Sydney this year. Um purely because, you know, the in, in Australia, the uh, the vaccine may be out and it will if it does come out, it will probably be out to the first responders and stuff like that. So I won't be among those who will probably get vaccinated first. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure whether I will actually go to any conventions in 2021. What about you guys? Well, for myself, I think it's going to be probably... Um decision made last minute um, as to what the status quo is or the status, there's no status quo anymore, whatever the status is at that, at that time. Um, you know, I'm in Queensland and over the, over the weekend just gone over the last five or six days, we've had a sudden three-day shutdown lockdown um, to try and be on top of things. And that seems to be how we're managing things in Australia. Um, uh, I would be conservative. I, if, if there was any doubt, I wouldn't go. Um, to yeah. be honest, because um, because my job's hard enough, I don't need to try doing it from home as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. if, if I if I got caught in a hot spot or the uh, association with maybe a hot spot, I'm suddenly in a 14 day work from home situation. I'm not keen on that. <laughs> as someone who had to work from home for a, a big proportion of this year, 
I'm in the same boat. Very conservative. Um, yeah. yeah. So what about yourself, Mikel? Um, like, yeah. Like, As I thought, like six months ago, this should be over in any month. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, I still think and hope that after the su- uh, the summer, like July, summer. Uh, it will be possible to to go on conventions, at least uh, national ones. So the big one for you is what, Gutenberg, which is uh, October? Uh, The book fair. Uh, I haven't been on that for many, many years. Uh, I usually go to the the Stockholm International uh, Serie Festival that's here in Stockholm. And then uh, I... What? What month's that one? Yeah, it jumps around a bit, but it's usually end of the summer, like August, September, okay. something. Uh, but then I, I would really like to go to the thing that Andreas is uh, doing up up north. Uh, the what's the name now? Uh, something with uh, Nordsjön. Yeah, Nordsjön. Uh, that that's during the winter with uh, with gaming and comic books and game board games. So. Mm. Yeah. Well, you need to get onto Comics Kingdom and pay yourself eighty-five dollars for postage to get a mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and probably import tax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we can only hope that twenty twenty one steps up and we can all do things again. But if it's twenty, if it's not until twenty twenty two to ensure that we're all safe. Well. Then at least we'll be safe. So be it. Yep. Right. Mm. Um, so, fans, people who are listening, casual acquaintances, anyone, um, what do you think? Did we get it right? Did the surveys get it right? If not, well, and you disagree, did you vote? If you didn't vote, you've only got yourself to blame. However, you can check it all out. So, have your say on your favourites of 2020. See the survey that will be linked to our website, and we'll have this all over our social, um, all over our socials. So, shoot us a comment, um, shoot us an email if you really want, um, and yeah, have your say on what you thought was the favourite of 2020. Um, Patreon P3 Fandom Preservation Project reward. What's the reward for? Oh, the you mean the the badges and. Stuff. Yeah, I think you just make mention of it. Sorry, this is an old run shoot. Ah. <laughs> it's kind of like um, Anchorman. You write, you put it on the, <laughs> it's on the teleprompter. He's going to read it. <laughs> the the most recent, the most recent great awesome thing that's gone on the P three was the script for the the Phantom Legacy, which was the the movie we talked to Tim Boyle about. Um, the uh, and, and uh, we've had a good feedback from our Patreon saying that that's something that they've really appreciated the opportunity to have a look at. So um, yeah, get on get on it, and there's another update coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so yeah, check out the website at chroniclechamber.com. Uh, <laughs> Someone's playing buggers with the run sheet. <laughs> uh, yeah, playing. Yeah, having a bit of fun with the run sheet. Jermaine he's a self-described legend who uh, believes that the Eagles rule and that the hawks, hawks don't. But as we all know, the Hawks. Uh, well, I, cannot, I can't say they're the greatest team of the. Oh no, they they still got more premiership. I thought you were about to say the Hawks are. Can't say those words on a child-friendly <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, no, I'm, I'm still thinking Hawks are still the most, um, uh, the best team of the AFL era with more premierships than anyone else, even though the Tigers are doing their best at the moment. Um, however, enough footy, it's cricket season. Go Australia. Good luck, India. You put up a, a, a good battle there in Sydney. All the best in Brisbane. All right, so you can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com, social media links, YouTube, Chronicle Chamber, Facebook, chroniclechamber.com, and the Phantom Collector Group, Twitter at Chronicle Tweet. I actually just decided to check out what Twitter's all about and joined up just, I don't know, last week or two. Um, and sure. it was, <laughs> I'll, I'll, sorry, I'll save that political commentary for after the podcast. <laughs> no, he's banned, so <laughs> no, I, I haven't made any. He's out, you're in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I doubt it. Um, and of course, there's Instagram at Chronicle Chamber. Um, I think that's all that. Oh, no. And of course, don't forget to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes or Spotify or your favorite Android app. Fellas, it's, as always, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking at the time. I didn't realize that three hours has gone so fast. Yeah, you've done well, Stephen, to stay awake. Um, thank you. I'm not, I'm not 100%. I've done really well. My yeah. wife is going to have words with me saying, you couldn't do this and that today, but you've been able to stay up till past midnight to record a podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, but thank you, guys. Really enjoyed tonight. Mikkel, thank you for joining us and uh, from uh, Sweden and giving us a bit of uh, an insight as well from your neck of the woods for 2020. Mm. Dan, Stephen, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, uh, and, and I'll throw in Mikel. It's uh, your reviews have been fantastic all year. To have you come in live for uh, the first time, um, really appreciate it. Good on you, mate. Thank you for having me, and uh, happy phantoming. Happy phantoming. Bye, Jackson Mikel. Happy phantoming. Enemies beware, the phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds.